Hey there, you've reached Little Raven. Please leave a message after the beep, and I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Oh, oh, oh. This is President Bro Vibin. I see you out there making sound bites on the radio, spreading disinformation. Look, I spend a lot of time with President Z over in the land of the immortal dragon. That's what my grandpappy used to call the Orientals. And look, Mac, you gotta understand. The mind of the Oriental is tricky and subversive. That's why you gotta watch out for the monkey pox. Pox is gonna get you. This is a relatively harmless skin condition. And we don't know how serious this is. But you gotta be scared. We need another crisis. You never let a crisis go to waste. You're gonna get the pox. I'm gonna get the pox. Oh, I'm not gonna get the pox. We're all gonna get the pox and you gotta be scared. Listen, this is CDC Director Michelle Walensky. Hello, Mr. President. Well, who am I talking to? Is this the spirit cooking shaman? Save me a baby spine, Grismerelda. It's so tender. You know the data is in. Baby spines are 69.69% effective at making this girl feel like a million dang bucks. No, Michelle, no. This is this is this jerk-off podcaster with the queer name. Biggie Crow, I think. Biggie, Biggie Crow. He's been spreading misinformation. We call it male information now, Mr. President. Listen, medium-sized magpie or whatever the fuck, the CDC knows exactly where you are and what you're doing at all times. We've partnered with several of Peter Thiel's shady spyware firms to crawl so far up your phone. Well, think of it like a data harvesting suppository, okay? So you better shape up, bucko, or else... Or, uh, Mr. Mr. President, Mr. President, what on earth? I'm just a little, just getting a little sniffy sniffer, show. Come on now, come over. The last batch of adrenochrome has daddy feeling frisky. Come on, come on, just a little sniff of that. That beautiful, sparkling hair. Listen up. Listen up, you jerk-off jackdaw. Daddy's gotta run. Just... Listen to, listen to President O'Biden and shut the fuck up. Democracy dies when podcasters talk shit, okay? Oh, and Mayor Pete asked me to send you a message. Hold on, it's, uh, it's in my voice memos. Let's see. Michelle, would you help me? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how to use that. Yes, Mr. President. Give me my hair back, please. Okay, let's see your phone. Okay, here we go. Here you go, you jerk-off jackdaw. This is a message from Mayor Pete. MK Ultra Trigger Break. Perched in the treetops, the Blue Jay flits and flutters. Down on the cold hard ground, the electric vehicle sputters. Carbon tax for you and yours. Mayor Pete's a goblin gourd. Crusty Corvid, eat the sword. Kill the father, fuck the lord. Drain the oceans, fill the swamps, kiss the data. And in the blood, get dunked. MK Ultra Trigger Guard released. This is President 
present old bro vibing. Do what I say, you damn thug. We can use the crack house legislation. I'm the guy who just went boom boom. Aw, oh, dag, damn it. Jill! Jill! The bucket! Bring the boom boom bucket and bring the cheese balls. Bob Barker's on the story box again. I love to eat cheese balls or I watch the prices right. Remember what Bob Barker says. Don't forget to spay your dogs and neuter your birds, you gummy good drop two shoes. Alright, present old vibing out. God damn it. I hate being so fucking old. Oh my god. What the hell is next on the goddamn schedule? When does this shit ever end? Jesus Christ. Oh fuck, is the mic still on? God damn it. I hate this fucking technology bullshit. Where's the Gord of Ashes? Let's get this over with already. End of new messages. What is up, you radiant sunflower petals? Thank you so much for joining the Barbarian Noetics podcast, where, as you know, we stay dedicated to the elevation of the human spirit. And as always, we resist the status quo. I appreciate you hopping in and spending some time with me in the rabbit holes of space and time. I'm coming at you from a Monday afternoon here in South Phoenix. It is hot as fuck, but not too crazy. I'm doing hella gardening. I just planted a bunch of aloe. I rescued an aloe because there's crazy turnover in this little, there's like eight units in this little neighborhood, I guess you could call it where I'm at. Two buildings, eight units, crazy turnover. Uh, It's just that South Phoenix industrial district living, you know how it is. (laughs) And uh, these folks just moved out and they abandoned this, aloe plant and it was like a pretty sizable aloe plant and it had been ignored for a really long time so it was like bone dry and aloe when it starts to get really dry it starts to get discolored like kind of brown looking I don't know if you're in a place where they use aloe for like corporate landscaping and then the uh, irrigation breaks and then it just gets all brown and stuff but one thing I've discovered about aloe it's incredibly resistant uh, or resilient I should say even if it looks like super dead or near death you can bring it back all you need to do is just plant it in some decent soil and water it and it's amazing how resilient it is so I managed to rescue uh, this massive aloe plant and when I was like replanting repotting it there was all this other like little aloe babies that kept falling out so I was like planting all little aloe babies and in in the process I was out in the hot Arizona sun for a minute so I definitely got my vitamin D today hopefully I didn't get heat exhaustion I don't think I did but we'll see we'll find out in two days because for some reason heat exhaustion takes like a couple days to manifest I hope I didn't get it I don't think I did Anyways, uh, I know this is riveting, riveting podcasting, me like fretting about whether or not I got heat exhaustion, but that's that South Phoenix life, you know what I'm saying? So I'm doing hella gardening, my sweet potatoes are great, Uh, I'm eating, I'm like kind of a little bit sprouted out right now to be honest with you guys. I sprouted a lot of uh, daikon radish sprouts and it appeared like when I was soaking them and everything like that, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a lot of sprouts. And it's like, once they grow, they really grow. Like they get kind of like sizable. And all of a sudden I just had like this huge amount of daikon radish sprouts. And 
man, that is a strong flavor. I know they're super healthy for you and stuff, but that is a strong flavor. I'm like, damn, I don't know if I'll be able to finish these sprouts, but I got a three bean salad sprouts. I'm scarfing. I got some clovid sprouts, clovid, clovid, <laughs> clover, clover sprouts. I have, I am a corvid and, uh, you know, there was the bat virus that they they claim causes the ailment called COVID-19. Interestingly enough, uh, the Gilead science medication remdesivir, uh, which Dr. Grouchy, Grouchy, Grouchy Fauci insists as standard of care, we're the only country in the entire world that uses remdesivir as standard of care. All the other countries are like, no, that looks pretty toxic. And all the data is like, yeah, it's pretty toxic. And the World Health Organization, which is not exactly like a super transparent you know, right on the ball organization, even the World Health Organization is like, yeah, you really shouldn't use remdesivir, but we're still using remdesivir here for some fucking reason. We just got it approved for little babies. So here's some like kidney failure serum for these little babies. Uh, anyway, I'm getting off the off the rails a little bit in this intro, but it just uh, kind of blows my mind that we're giving people something that actually causes the syndrome that we call anyways. That's not what we're here to talk about. I'm here to do this intro. Um, I made a bunch of, well, I didn't make a I made a couple Zanio audio tidbits for you guys this week. Excited to share those. I did another segment uh, just kind of about the universe. I talk about the adversary and stuff like that. And then I'm going to be using the audio from the most recent Barbarian Yak Fest with uh, the great Dr. Sylvie Salinger. It's going crazy over there. We're getting subscribers left and right, so it's really exciting. So Rockfin is spelled R-O-K-F-I-N rockfin.com slash barbarian yakfest all one word hop over you can make a free account and become a subscriber to that um so yeah so that's it everyone we're gonna jump right into this podcast i love you guys if you have not done so already please help me stay on the air and help me to afford groceries i would be so eternally grateful i really do need your help the barbarian noetics podcast is completely listener supported we haven't even set up our Patreon yet for the Yak Fest, <laughs> so we're going to do that soon. But right now, you can hop over to patreon.com noetics. You can sign up at any tier. You get bonus content and a dream interpretation when you sign up. You can also make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com noetics. I'll have those links in the description, as always. I really appreciate you guys um, even rating, reviewing, subscribing, spreading the word, telling a friend, all things you can do for free, and they really help to expand our tribe of philosopher barbarians so we can create a critical mass to not just resist the status quo but squash the status quo squash the transhumanist agenda i really do feel like we are close to achieving a critical mass i i really i i under the surface i feel i feel people are really starting to like it sounds cliche to say starting to wake up but starting to like question I feel like the narrative, the propaganda has been so hard in the paint the last two and a half years, and now they're coming in with the monkeypox and all this kind of shit, and I think people are like, this seems sketchy. I I feel like they've overplayed their hand, I I think. I'm hopeful, and I I do believe. I think more and more people are starting to question the official narrative, and that's great. So let's create this critical mass. Let's squash the status quo. Let's create our own um, counter-economic systems, our own independent media, and just opt out of this transhuman bullshit and just be human beings and, you know, grow our own food and have some cows and chickens and pigs and horses and <laughs> and pangolins and bats, you know, because I love farming pangolins and bats because I like to see if they can have sex, the pangolin and the bat, so I can have viruses skip species because that happens, right? Yeah, that's how that works. You just have a, a bat next to a pangolin, all of a sudden viruses are skipping species left and right. 
Anyways, <laughs> I know this is a little bit of a frazz, frazz-tastic intro, but um, just trying to get this episode out for you guys. I'm juggling a lot of stuff right now, so thanks again so much for joining. I love you guys, and we're going to get right into this episode. I'll talk to you at the end. Much love. Peace. Hey, bitch, I'm dead fresh. I might pull up in a casket. You be looking sweet like a fucking fruit basket. Spit a couple raps, I get a check and Johnny Cash it. I smash it. I let your mama rob my sunglasses. I don't think nobody gonna fuck with me like I do. Look at me killing that motherfuckers always talking, but damn it, I'm high too. That means I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I wanna stunt. I make your salary thrice in a month. I pay your daddy to roll up my blunts and he blow your allowance to pay for my lunch. You ain't with the shits. 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 From Riding the back of the truck with the pump with the mascara in my face. Double the clock as I rip through the flesh. Inside of the cutty with thing on my waist. Kicking the dope, put me to the safe. Fucking the buses, I wear to the place. He's sick muscles, I load up and hit you. I carry the coffin and drop in the grave. Ho, you ain't with the shits. 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 Who y'all with your bitch? I'm in my zone, I'm in my element. That's daily regimen. I'm pulling up the grave in mama house with perfect get a killer, bitch. Hello, fellow humanoids. I'm Elon Sus. Chief Executive Professor of the Electric Prayer Company, bless ya, and Supreme Hype Man at Space Tex, which bootlicks the military-industrial complex, and sends endless trashy satellites out to pollute space, and spy on your simple-witted asses. I'm also, clearly, a massive cockbag, and bitch-ass fuck-cracker, whose only real accomplishments in the business world have involved gaping my own badonkadonk, for DARPA and the Pentagon. In exchange for allowing these nightmarish entities to extract my soul in a decanter, I in return have received six billion dollars, and counting, of US taxpayer money to subsidize my lifestyle, and buttress my manufactured reputation as a savvy rogue. The only thing savvy about me is my instinct to lick the boots of the US deep state. I went on the Bro Jogan podcast and delivered the most boring three hours of anybody's life, and I couldn't even take a hit off a damn joint without looking like a bollocking dolt. That's right, a real lunkhead, pudwack, knuckle muncher. Let's see, what else? I got a nice lil head start with my primitive accumulation of capital by inheriting a boatload of cheddar from my dad's apartheid South African emerald mine, which I'm sure was run in a manner that was both fair to laborers and preserving of the environment. I am just so fucking dull, and I take undeserved credit for the work of my engineers. I said we can coup whoever we want to secure lithium reserves, after Evo Morales was overthrown in Bolivia, and replaced with a crazy racist church lady who persecuted indigenous Bolivians. But guys, I'm the good billionaire. The cool oligarch. The groovy ruler. And I'm here to save free speech by hyping up a dubious purchase of Twitter that hasn't even come to fruition yet. Because I am the bone-dry robotic face of DARPA and the Pentagon, anything I do, I do for them. And so, by tricking the rubes into thinking that Twitter is now the god's gift to gravy noodles, I carry water for the surveillance state by sheepherding the masses back into an easily controlled and co-opted brainwashing and psychological warfare platform. I have also stated that I intend to quote, verified, every human being who uses the stupid ass, thick as pig shit platform. 
To do this I'll be further cleaving my lily white caboose for the NSA and 16 other government surveillance agencies so they can push their psychopathic biometric agenda, and digital ID infrastructure, on the unsuspecting clodhoppers, we frogskin magnates call the citizenry. It's a big old club, and you ain't in it. But I am here to ensure that you are a compliant cog, in the technocratic global control grid, that aims to enslave you. So, hi. Hello. How do you do? I'm Elon Sus, and I'm here to give you a proper bollocking, paid for by your taxes. Worship me peasants. Now let me see those irises. My mind drifts to many places when I start to recollect How we met, smoke a lot, so sometimes I do forget I just know that something shifted in the planet when we step Very spot where the Niger and the Delta intersect We connect, then we flow Pluck a dream from the sky, watch it grow Was she sent to help me navigate the road? While I'm still searching for balance on my own I don't know, but I'm blessed Feel I love manifest Chasing dreams, but with you I find rest Middle finger, anybody want test? Yes, I give my guys the best advice Never try to change someone, you be stressed for life Never try to clip her wings, she was meant to fly Heard a voice in my head and it sounded like this Peace puzzle in my mind like a jigsaw Hit me from the blind side Now I'm on the line like Where you at? Know you saw my missed calls Hate being sidelined Hate the fact I even give a damn Like I shouldn't be this pissed off Wide open, she just my type Can't even stay mad at the chick With these symptoms of withdrawal Forget the back and forth discourse I came in to get my fixed girl Sign for lift off Yeah Now we above the clouds Losing breath as we drown in these lover sounds Yeah What's up, BMP fam? Barbarian Yakfest fam? Barbarians out there, my tribe, my people. What's cracking? What's shaking? I'm glad my voice is working right now. I'm coming off a really intense experience, so that's why I wanted to hop on the mic right away. Just to orient ourselves in the rabbit holes of space and time, I'm coming at you from a Friday night here in mid to late May 2022 from South Phoenix, from the Warehouse District. And I just had a uh, pretty wild hape experience. So I don't know if it it was mostly the hape and then I think partially a couple really uh, well-executed bong rips of mimosa, which is my kind of hybrid, comes in right at around 16, 17%. Anyways. It's a good strain, underrated strain, Mimosa. Overrated DJ, underrated strain. <laughs> but I think it had most to do with the hop A, so I'm, I, it's Friday night, I'm like, you know what, I worked my ass off today. I'm like, sat down, gonna sit down for meditation, gonna ride the hop A first. So I did, and The initial wave was like grounding and very pleasant. Then there was a second wave, which was tightness and anxiety in my chest, which is usually where I feel anxieties in my chest. But that was replaced by a third wave, which was like a full body 
It felt like if I could visualize it, it was like as if I was being scanned. It was a blue light, like a turquoise blue, azure blue, sky blue light. And it was like I was being scanned up and down my body. And it felt really, really good. And it felt so nice to connect with the positive spirits out there because I'm going to talk about the adversary in a second here, but it's really important to internalize and really to just experience for yourself because you can't really, I don't think you can really convince anyone of anything unless they experience it for themselves. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it's like you can nudge people towards having certain experiences, but you can't experience things for someone else, and thus you can't affect change like that. People can only affect change within themselves. Anyways, <laughs> I don't even know why I was talking about that, but... Oh, because the, the blessings of experiencing communion with the positive angels, with the good angels. There's like so many good and positive angels out there and they come in all shapes and sizes and all tones and all vibrations and frequencies, very much like human beings in terms of their diversity of personality and of spirit. And these are not static energies, they are dynamic and vibrant as well. So like no one thinks about the fact that angels have moods, of course, why wouldn't they? <laughs> and the more kind of beautifully hearted and kind hearted the angel, then the more like nuanced and complicated and intense and enlightening the moods. And so I think you download certain information when you're meant to download it. And I think the more you can align yourself with the divine purpose, which is like, we live in a magical universe, as Terence McKenna points out. It's more magical than anything else because at the root of it, it's a mystery. So therefore we can talk about all the laws and all the Newtonian beauty and all the physics and all that stuff. But at the root of it all is mystery still. So we live in a magical universe that's really interesting and powerful and like why wouldn't you want to focus on that the fact that anything exists at all means that there's a mystery beyond comprehension at the root of it and why would you create something as beautiful and vibrant as the earth the membrane of the earth with the, all the biodiversity and all the plant medicine and the rainforests and the amazing deserts like my overflowing love for the Sonoran Desert and you know it's just like so beautiful here and so you can align yourself with that beauty that sense of purpose that is aligned with beauty and truth and honor and dignity and joy and surprises and excitement and just all the complications and beauties of life anyways so it just for me my meditations lately have have just continuously returned they have not centered around this so i want to emphasize that it hasn't centered around this the center of the meditations has always been connecting with the source transcending everything 
transcending all the bullshit and connecting directly with the great mysterious angelic forces that are the real powers around but you have to actually like shoot past the lesser powers to get to them but part of my meditations have consistently returned to the adversary and i am studying the adversary so that i can do my part to kind of donate to the collective consciousness some analysis about what we're dealing with here with acknowledging that i don't have all the answers and i don't think that it we have an easy path in front of us but i do feel as though we will prevail so we will prevail in terms of we will persist and we will fight the good fight and as long as you hang on to your dignity feel like you prevail and so there's a plant medicine conference happening one of the beautiful things about the interwebs is it allows people to connect from all over the world and these connections are becoming more intimate via live streams and stuff like that and so there's a plant medicine international plant medicine conference happening i think this weekend and i'm on two email servers both of which independently sent me the invite uh it's a free online event i'll throw the link in the description if folks want to check it out for themselves it's a plant medicine conference and there's going to be a lot of like indigenous leaders and uh healers speaking and whenever i ride the hop day i'm always overblown with the gratitude for the medicine people who created who put the recipe together cuz the hoppes are made in the rainforest i think the hoppes from tonight were made in the ecuadorian i believe i, th- I think ecuadorian rainforest but somewhere in the amazon <laughs> by these uh just incredible tribes who have this super long amazing history and they have this recipe for the hoppe and they're kind enough to put it together and share it with the world and as i've said i think it brought my sense of smell back from the gain of function virus <laughs> so hoppe 1 gain of function virus 0 <laughs> so um So I I I connect it just happens I don't even have to really try I, I always just connect with the medicine people and that brings me into the rainforest and I have lived in a rainforest the rainforest of the uh eastern side of the big island and it's you know it's it's like pretty mellow as far as rainforest goes and that there's not like jaguars and anacondas um but if you get up towards like Hawaii National Park or Hawaii Volcanoes National Park and that sort of high bizarre very interesting biome between like where the mountain is and where the 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 baseline rainforest is and there's these incredible i guess you would call them almost cloud forest vibes and there's these ferns and you can walk into this desert uh not desert <laughs> the opposite of that you can walk into this jungle and you it's like you're taken back in time there's something very ancient and hypnotic about the ferns cuz they're like big ferns they're ferns that tower over you and so it just what it does is it flips your perspective and makes you feel smaller than a fern and we usually think of ferns as like not that big we think of them to come up to like knee height or something so it flips your perspective to all of a sudden be underneath a fern and ferns are fucking awesome the way they unfurl and they even reproduce in a very interesting way which i can't conjure up right now but i think it has something to do with like spores 
they're really cool. Ferns fucking rock. And so anyway, <laughs> and uh, so I've been in the rainforest a little bit. So I have like some frame of reference, I guess. And so this time, though, what, what, what was very unique about this particular meditation is then it, it, it became basically all about the jaguar. And the jaguar is like the central figure, especially for me in my ayahuasca experience, it was the central figure was the jaguar goddess with the millions of eyes, which were also vaginas. So the pussy eyes jaguar goddess was the focal point <laughs> of my ayahuasca experience. In this meditation, I entered into like the face of the jaguar. That's the only way I can describe it. And what came through was basically like, it, it, it wasn't exactly a voice, but it was like a message like, okay, you want to study the adversary, embody the big cats, the big cats, embody the big cats. That was the message. And so I started thinking about that and I was like, whoa, because big cats are apex predators and big cats are so powerful that even still in 2022 humans fear the big cats like you don't want to fuck around with the big cats and so it's like i'm going to be researching more in the coming weeks more about like the specific traits of the big cats but they're they move like in silence that's one thing. So even though they're very big and they're incredibly strong, like insanely strong, but they manage to move in total silence and very stealthily. And that gives them like a huge competitive advantage. And then in addition to that, they also have their claws and their teeth. <laughs> so they have basically their, their limbs are like these weapons, physical weapons, and then they can move in silence to be able to stalk their prey. And so what I am seeing over and over again so clearly about the adversary is that the adversary has many weaknesses. It has a lot of strengths, obviously, but it also has weaknesses. And sometimes weaknesses are embedded within strengths. And so what makes the adversary effective is I've noticed it's wherever secrecy consolidates itself. Whenever secrecy builds power around itself, that's where the adversary is able to thrive. So the adversary likes dark corners and secret, uh, likes to operate in secrecy. It likes secrecy. It doesn't like to be illuminated. It doesn't like to be like revealed. And so that is a pretty big weakness because that means that, well, why are you so afraid of being revealed? Oh, it's because that's like devastating. <laughs> if you operate, if your whole thing is you operate in secret, then to be revealed is a devastating blow to that and that idea, that energy, right? And so the best way I think to illuminate darkness that wants to stay dark is to be able to move in silence and have weapons like claws and teeth. I'm talking metaphorical here, metaphorical weapons like your mind, your thoughts, your willpower, uh, your awareness, your savvy. These are all 
quote-unquote weapons, basically strengths, things that you can use as you work towards what you desire, what you feel in your heart. So when I commune with the angels, like I feel goodness. I feel there's so much love and goodness in the world. And even when I look around me myself, everyone is trying to do their best. I really think most people are really trying to do their best. And people really want to like, deep down they want to get along. That's why in person people are way more polite than like they'll, they'll honk and yell and scream from, from the safety of their car, from behind the wheel of their car when they're on the move and they, but face to face, it's like a whole different story. And so that's because our, evol our evolutionary biology dictates that we get along with people because we were a tribal social peop people like animal that evolved because we were able to be in groups and work together in groups. So our, deep down in our DNA, we want to get along with one another. <laughs> and so therefore there's a lot of goodness and beauty and courage and resiliency and stuff. You have within you all the strengths of the big cat. So you just have to tap into those strengths. As human beings, we're incredibly adaptable. So we, we can become anything. And that makes us very dangerous because <laughs> we can become monsters but it also makes us very powerful because if we want to, we can embody the big cat, we can do that. You can practice walking, what's it called? Like a fox walk or something like that? It's not called that, but you basically practice walking without making a sound. And it's really hard if you go to like a forest where there's dried leaves on the ground and try to walk without making a sound, but it's a really good practice. And just going out in nature and allowing nature to happen around you rather than imposing yourself on nature. So just even, just by being still for like a few minutes, 10 minutes, and you'll notice nature happening around you in almost all settings. Like I like to go out to the desert or go out to the river and do this, which is, it's like, that's the most kind of like wild place that I have access to here in South Phoenix. Um, but even when I'm in the city proper, I see nature happening around me. And today, especially on my bike ride, to the coffee shop, I was seeing nature happen all over the place. Um, I saw a hawk's nest, because I, I saw it because I saw the mom and dad hawk fly into the nest together. And I was like, whoa. And that was like a big, it was a huge evergreen tree just like in someone's yard. And they have like a hawk's nest. And I saw these like adorable small little birds. I don't know if they're swallows or sparrows or what. I'm obviously not a bird watcher over here. But I probably will be as I get older, to be honest. I see myself going hard in the paint with bird watching as I get old. <laughs> as my body gets more tired, I'm just gonna be like, fuck it, give me some, give me, a, uh, what are they called, telescopes? I'm just gonna watch some birds over here. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, I'll, I'll speak more on this in the coming segments, but I just wanted to put that out there and express my genuine appreciation for everyone for sticking with me. I, I realize it's through thick and thin, you know? I know that like, I know that some of my episodes are probably like quote better than other, I don't know. I just, I'm just trying to like be consistent and put out content every week. And I just really appreciate the people that can ride like the ebbs and the tides of the direction that the shows go and stuff like that. And I just really appreciate you guys. So thank you for all the support and all the love um, I welcome any feedback, any interaction, any poem you want to send me, barbarian.noetics at gmail.com. And so this is Little Raven signing off.
Man blink on me up on a FaceTime She said she want me for big time Anything I do it for you, my darling Long as you show me a great time I love flow easy, then she start teasing me Now she send blood to my enemy She start piecing me up with that piss on her tongue While we listen to R&B Back at the bank, got her hands on the roof Asking my name, she told me the truth Rounds at the road, when I was down for a booth Now that I put this shit down, I'm aloof Bands on me You hear the horns and the drums when I step in the room Damn homie That bullshit don't bother me none, I just get to my loop I don't even need to go ahead to pop in Cool your man, he the key in the lock screen We ain't eating like a soda that's marching We got a real vaccine, fuck 5G Pause that y'all zoom in, they watching Now they look cross, they watching my movements Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Barbarian Yak Fest Thank you so much for joining We are stoked to be here I am here as always with the great Dr. Sylvie Salinger, PhD. She is joining from an undisclosed location. How are you doing today, Sylvie? I'm doing great. Hell yeah. We're coming at you from a Monday morning. We're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I love Ooh. recording in the morning. <laughs> I'm a night person, but I got amped up for this morning, so we're Hell good. yeah. I mean, there is so much to talk about, Sylvie, and listeners out there, there is, I'm sure you guys are aware. Um, if you haven't checked out our Rockfin channel already, please go do so. We're at rockfin.com slash barbarian yakfest, all one word. We're getting more and more followers all the time. So that's very exciting. And we're just going to keep the momentum going because there is so much to talk about it. It's bonkers. And uh, we're going to be doing it in 40 minute segments again, guys, because we decided to stick with Zoom because it's just better than Skype, but we haven't upgraded yet. So uh, we're going to do it in 40 minute segments again. And so we wanted to, as we were creating the outline for this episode, there's so much happening and a lot of it is pretty heavy. And Dr. Sylvie made the excellent point that what is being presented right now through the legacy, through the mainstream media to the people, which is again, state propaganda straight up. Like it is like Soviet Union style state propaganda. People really need to like internalize that New York Times, Washington Post, this is propaganda. You're being inculcated with Project Mockingbird fucking talking points. And it's all very demoralizing information uh, meant to make you feel powerless. Do you want to speak on that a little bit, Dr. Sylvie? Yeah, 100%. So like we're going to get into the things that are bigger that will have a real impact on one's individual daily lives in a bit. But the things that the media are focusing on, be it a mass shooting or even Roe v. Wade being potentially overturned by the Supreme Court. We have no control over how the Supreme Court truly operates. We really, at the end of the day, have no control over that. It's pretty clear, like the Democrats loved lockdown. The Democrats loved masks and lockdown policies. All the families in general hate the Democrats right now because they were stuck at home with their kids because their kids' schools were closed. So the Democrats became very unlucky. And then you take inflation with that, which isn't 100% Biden's fault, clearly, but it has to do with certain policies that have been enacted over the past like five years. And basically, I mean, I think that inflation mainly is due to supply chain failures, breakdowns due to COVID policies and lockdowns and printing money forever. And we've been printing money for a long time anyway, but people are pissed at the Democrats because of like inflation. So people blame Biden for that. And then also the lockdown policies. So they are like hyping up Roe v. Wade over which we don't have much control, at least not the Supreme Court level to get people to vote Dem because they're worried that everyone will vote red. And then there are also a lot of minority red candidates for these like these upcoming elections. And so 
it's looking like like the like the red <laughs> the republicans are looking more attractive to people who thought that they wouldn't fit into the conservative base before so it's just it's just i mean it's dumb partisan politics at the end of the day but yeah these talking points are having people fixate on things over which we have no control and it makes you feel demoralized like what's the end result of it you feel angry you're feeling outraged at maybe the wrong things because you right. have nothing to do with this outrage and then you are feel like demoralized and you feel like everything's just going to shit right yeah, I have a couple of things to say about it. So it's like Malcolm X said that if you're not careful, they will put your mind in a hat and they will take you wherever they want you to go. And I just I see that over and over again with what is being presented to us as as look over here, look over here, look over here. Roe v. Wade, it is an important thing for sure. But no one is talking about the fact that the Democrats could have codified it into law by now. It's one thing that God bless Jimmy Dore, because at least Jimmy Dore is talking about it. But like, why is he the only one talking about that? That why haven't they codified it? Why have they in intentionally kept this issue afloat. And then it's like they can introduce it whenever they need to drum up support, drum up enthusiasm. And so now you have all these people. Just yesterday when I passed the Capitol again, there was like a huge rally and stuff. And I like to see people out in the street. I like to see people like, again, grassroots movements are important. Participation is important, but I just feel like people are they're they're missing the plot a little bit and they're letting themselves be manipulated. And like, for example, all these people that are showing up at like Justice Kavanaugh's house, for example, he's a conservative justice. He doesn't care if people show up at his house. It's right. not going to. And so then why is it that we're getting mad at Justice Kavanaugh and we're not getting mad at the system that put Justice Kavanaugh in place with the party that refuses to codify Roe v. Wade into law if they care so much about it? They're right. just using it as a fundraising tactic, as an enthusiasm tactic. They were set to get completely blown out in the midterms. I mean, let's just face it. Biden's approval rating was like historically low. <laughs> Kamala was the, had the lowest approval rating of any vice president in history. And so this this gets conveniently leaked. And what people need to realize about a lot of these, especially the big leaks that the media seems to be like really into, like remember the Facebook lady, that creepy lady, how right. or whatever. Lower. There's like condoned leaks and then there's actual leaks that actually disrupt power. When there are actual leaks that disrupt power, they uh, claim the U.S. claims international jurisdiction to put an Australian through uh, just two decades of legal hell. And now we're torturing him to death in a British dungeon. That's what happens when you really challenge power. This leak is just like it actually helps both parties, honestly, because it is such a divisive issue. And I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole on this. But again, it's I think it's so important for people to at least do mental exercises where they think about what is the other side? Why is the other side so amped up about this rather than just screaming and yelling and uh, ad hominem attacks and saying that people are like, you know, just these assholes who just want people to suffer. I deep in my heart, I don't believe that anyone really wants people to suffer. I think that people are complicated and we have complicated beliefs and, you know, people feel a certain kind of way. So it's like, I believe I believe in a woman's right to choose 100 percent at the same time. Like my mom is an example of someone who, you know, she's a little bit older, different generation. And she's open about the fact that she she doesn't it's not that she doesn't 
like she said that there's certain instances, you know, it's the whole trope of like, well, there's certain instances where it's okay. Anyways, I'm not gonna yell and scream at my mom <laughs> about like, you're, you're not right on abortion. Instead, I listen to what she has to say and I try to like, I try to take it in and be like, okay, I actually kind of can see where you're coming from. You're a loving person, you're my mother, you don't want people to suffer. You're just coming at it from a different perspective. And um, so again, it's just, meanwhile so we're gonna get into this but like meanwhile right. while everyone's attention is being again they, they put our minds in a hat take it wherever they want to go yes. now they want us to go to roe v wade everyone is hyper fixated on this it's super team sports now blue versus red everyone's getting into the bipartisan or the partisan you know wrestling match drumming up excitement for the midterms it's almost like too easy how it is to manipulate the masses they're they're getting very very effective at it they've been yes. studying it for years yes and they're getting very effective at it so so always when there is okay yeah, this is the last point and then I'll, I'll shut up for a second after this it's too. it's like you want to pay attention to what the legacy media is is pointing you to of course things have importance but you have to look at what is happening under the radar while these big things are going on and so that's kind of what the barbarian yak fest is is really about is we're trying yeah. to trying to let folks know like look there's a lot of shit happening right now really important stuff that impacts all of us both teams red and blue all of us in fact it even affects the whole world and no one is paying any attention to it so Right, like the Ukraine bio labs and like the bird flu and all the other stuff and the WHO stuff that we'll talk about soon. But yeah, yeah I mean, even like the Hunter Biden thing, like that was a conspiracy theory and you couldn't post about it, but like that came out as true. So that's another thing that like the mainstream media, legacy media suppressed, but then like, and then it's just a whole like red versus blue thing. Like, like why? Like it does have impact because of like Ukraine and everything. It's just, it's just like, it's all like, it just shows it's all a mirage. Like there was no like Russian collusion, like that was made up. And then yeah. like Hunter Biden thing is true. Like, it's, but it's like, it's all just fixating on the figurehead, which I think they are figureheads, the figurehead in power to right. get you to not fixate on the real issues and or focus on the real issues. Um, Absolutely. And so we're going to we're going to like kick this episode off with talking about what are what are referred to as the international health regulations, which are these really fucking scary WHO international treaty that they are trying to put into effect very soon. And we're going to tell you guys when the commenting period, we're going to tell you what it is and when the commenting period is, because that is something that you really should be fighting back against, because they're talking about overruling national sovereignty. And I'm not exaggerating. They are talking about mercenaries in the streets uh you know telling you that you cannot go two kilometers away from your house it's crazy and people need to really wake up to it but before we get into the heavy shit we did want to start with like we want to bookend this episode with like some positive kind of more light news and so um i wanted to give everyone a uh i need like a theme song for this my sweet potato update like sweet potato update <laughs> the spuds the spuds update the spin um, on spuds <laughs> so spuds. my <laughs> my spuds are going gangbusters everybody very exciting the vines are, are going nuts i can tell the little tubers are forming in the soil and i'm just watching them get bigger and bigger every day i mean obviously i'm in the desert and we're getting hotter and hotter every day so i'm kind of like waiting to see how long i can keep them outside for eventually i do have my indoor grow tent set up with my indoor lights and stuff like that so i will bring them inside uh but that is so far has been a screaming success i'm really excited about that my sunflowers are coming up 
uh, way taller than I thought they would. I kind of like threw the seeds in as an afterthought at the beginning. I'm like, oh, it's planting season. I better throw, I've had these sunflower seeds just lying around for a while and they're, they're still growing. They're like up to about five feet now and still getting higher. And um, so I'm gonna be able to harvest those sunflower seeds as well. And that is something that I'm really focusing on moving forward is building up my own uh, seed bank, basically my own personal seed bank. Uh, the Norwegians have the seed vault in the mountain, which is like nuclear bomb proof and everything proof they have, which I think is badass that they did that. And, but it's like, we, we all need to, we don't need to do anything, but I think it's wise to build up our own personal seed banks. Ice Age Farmer makes a really good point about seeds and that they are a very good store of value because they obviously have an immense value. They, they're like all the value. They feed us, that they, they grow into food that keeps us alive, but they also keep a really long time. And so in that way, they can be used as currency. And this is something that at the Yak Fest, we always talk about like thinking outside the box in terms of what is currency, what you have that is of value as we continue to build counter economic um, communities and we continue to build out the agorism that I think is really going to carry us through uh, what is looking to be a pretty tumultuous <laughs> couple decades. And then the last thing on that front is my my sprouts are, I'm having like immense success with the sprouts, which I can't take that much credit because it's pretty easy. You just have to like, you basically have to uh, soak them overnight and then you rinse them in water like a couple times each day. And then after four or five days, you have these beautiful sprouts. Doesn't require any soil. So I, I talked about this in this week's podcast, but I had a really, really like uplifting interaction with the lady that delivers my mail who's like this really beautiful like just she's such a like beautiful radiant soul and she's like so hard working these people that deliver mail are just so hard working and she's like they don't get ac in their post in their post office trucks so she's like driving around the phoenix summer just like doing her thing she's a single mom she talks to me about her daughter and stuff she's trying to grow her own food and you know she did she looked at me and she all of a sudden she looked really downcast and she's like you know it just seems like things are getting worse they're not getting better and then i was like i was like but you can grow sprouts and i literally brought her out i had a tray of clover sprouts and i brought her out the clover sprouts and like we ate sprouts together and she was like this is blowing my mind this is amazing i'm like i know <laughs> it's a real game changer because it doesn't require soil so i really think that that's something that everyone can do and it feels even just growing your own sprouts if you get a sense of like accomplishment you have more of a connection with the food and it is packed full of so many phytonutrients it unlocks all the nutrients in the the germ i guess you would call it um and so yeah so so that's my kind of like trying to move forward with being as as self-sustainable as self-reliant as possible uh here in the desert so that's awesome um your commentary on seeds and the importance of seeds made me think of this one author um, named Vandana Shiva. So it's a V-A-N-D-A-N-A -A -A, and then Shiva is S-H-I-V-A. And I studied her a lot in graduate school and I think I was introduced to her before that when I like first delved into uh, eco-criticism. And she is an Indian scholar. I'm just reading this off of the web, but she's an Indian scholar, environmental activist, food sovereignty advocate, eco-feminist and anti-globalization author based in Delhi. Shiva has written more than 20 books. She is often referred to as the Gandhi of grain for her activism associated with the anti-GMO movement. Gotta check out her stuff, even just her videos. She she's she critiques uh, Bill Gates a lot. So she has a lot of criticism that she um, 
that she offers and a lot of about Bill Gates and like she is not in a cons- like what you'd call a conspiracy theorist even though we know this term is just like basically a slanderous term that doesn't mean anything right. but um like in India they are very they are very suspect of uh Bill Gates they don't, yep. they don't trust Bill Gates like how people valorize him here and like want to read his book and think he's awesome which he's <laughs> like not a doctor he's just a guy with a lot of money and probably he's just a rich asshole sociopath right yes exactly so <laughs> like check out Fandana Shiva and her criticism of Bill Gates and then just any of her work because she talks about seed sovereignty and how like how important seed sovereignty is and um, food sovereignty for nations so it's kind of interesting because a lot of nations are now safeguarding their food so they're cutting off uh, exports of things now because they're freaked out about their like their food because like everything's been messed up because of the Ukraine Russia conflict uh the nato proxy war some call and now people are cutting off exports of their grain and so it's go it's it's kind of like an anti-globalization backlash so there's gonna be like this reverberation i feel like where people like each it's kind of it's good and bad in certain ways so instead of exporting and importing all this stuff it'll be more focused on what you can produce as a nation but then there's I think that will raise like tensions between nations. Um, I don't know, it's good. Like there'll be good things and bad things that come from it. But I think that that will happen in terms of food supply, but that would be really bad for certain nations that like depend on other nations uh, exports. So it'll, I think it will just like increase global tensions. But then as you said, at the like hyper local level, we can grow our own food. So I want to grow and plant blueberry bushes. That would be great. Um, nice. In really sunny area. Like you, they, they need a lot of sunlight. And then we've done sprouts before and those are really great. And what else? Herbs. Herbs are great to grow. And mm. Arrow Garden is a really nifty uh, tool to use to grow herbs. And what else? Yeah, potatoes. And I kind of want to grow carrots at some point. I think that would be great. And lettuce, lettuce is good. Lettuce is fickle. But lettuce oh man. Is- yeah. Really quick about lettuce. Like as I'm researching more and more about glyphosate, which we're not going to get into, that'll be for a future episode. We will really dive into glyphosate, but glyphosate is, is what's in Roundup. So Roundup is presented to us as like, oh yeah, you just spray Roundup on everything. Go to Home Depot. They got Roundup hitting you in the face. Just Roundup, 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 fucking falling off the shelves, landing in your cart. Just fucking spray Roundup. And Roundup is not just dangerous. It's like deadly, insanely dangerous. And the dangerous component in it is the glyphosate. And they are, there's so much to say about glyphosate. Like they're a lot of the purpose of the GMO crops is they genetically modify crops to be resistant to not get killed by glyphosate because glyphosate kills anything green by disrupting the photosynthetic process or whatever. So they're genetically modifying crops to be able to withstand the glyphosate. So therefore, when you buy something, this is, I brought this up because of the lettuce. Folks, do not buy non-organic lettuce, please, I beg of you, because it's like the absolute worst. Because if you think about like how lettuce grows, Mm-hmm. If it doesn't say organic, it means it's genetically modified. If it's genetically modified, that means that it's Roundup resistant, which means that they've just sprayed 
the whole fields with Roundup because the FDA refuses to look into Roundup because there's too much money into it. The FDA is totally captured agency. We all know that, but it's really bad. It fucks with our hormones. It's like neurodegenerative. It's responsible for a lot of childhood. Again, we always talk about this insane ballooning of the childhood autoimmune issues and allergies. Glyphosate is definitely partly responsible for that. And so yeah. when you when you buy lettuce, you're like, oh, sweet, this lettuce is on sale. First off, you're going to notice it stays crisp in your fridge for like a month. That's not normal. Lettuce is not supposed to stay crisp like that. It's not supposed to like have the consistency of plastic <laughs> and stay crisp for a month. That's not normal. And then you're you're scarfing that and you're thinking like, oh, I'm being healthy. I'm having like a healthy salad. And you know, you probably do. You put carrots, you put other good shit on there, but the lettuce is like soaked with this glyphosate. Yeah. So and berries. Is- berries are bad for pesticides because they have like all like the um the surface. Yeah. It's just like you can just it can just soak into like all those little crevices in a in a raspberry, just like a single raspberry. Yeah. And berries, it's really berries and lettuce, I would say, are really key to get organic. And it is like a real big bummer because it is really expensive, you know. Yeah, it lot. is really expensive. So that's the thing that sucks. When I go to Sprouts, I look and I, I pretty much wait until the organic berries are on sale. And then, because I can't really afford them unless they're on sale. So I wait until they're like, because they have to put them on sale to sell them. Because at least if they're organic, they do have like a certain kind of shelf life. They have to, they don't want them just to rot on the shelves. So you can't, if you time it right, <laughs> you can get to where it's like at least somewhat affordable. But I mean, I understand that there's no easy answer to this and folks are struggling. I'm struggling. I mean, it's hard. It's really difficult for the working class right now uh, with everything being so expensive. And so, you know, we just do the best that we can. And it's one great thing about the Sprouts is I did make an initial investment into um, what's going to turn into 150 pounds of Sprouts is 12 pounds dry, turns into 150 pounds um, sprouted. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of upfront cost for that, but now I don't have to go to the store to get more. I don't have to spend any more money. It's like, it, it's there for me. And I know I can trust that it's organic, you know, and I can tr- see like with my own eyes, how I grew it. No glyphosate on my sprouts. I can hundred percent guarantee that. And so I'm just making adjustments. I think a lot of people are making adjustments now. And like, I, my salads are pretty much sprouts. I mean, I, I think I get what I need from the sprouts in terms of like, you get the roughage, you get the phy, uh, phytonutrients. Um, and it's like, you know, we just, all we can do is, is the best we can do. And it, it is really difficult. And, I'm acknowledging that, but yeah, I wanted to comment on that a little bit. Like at, I shop at a local co-op, which it's like an actual food cooperative. So we give like monthly installment payments to it to be co-op owners. So we're in part co-op ownership. And at this co-op, I went to get like a frozen meal. I like the Amy's frozen meals. And I think those are overpriced. So pre-inflation, I thought that they were overpriced. So I'd only get them on occasion. And they're usually like three something, like around $4. So I do think that's kind of expensive, but it's like definitely cheaper than eating out, for example. Uh, I looked at it the other day at the food co-op, which is supposed to be like better prices, but it's totally not, at, at least at our local one. And it's $7. I'm like, I'm not spending $7 on that. I could like go out to eat at a restaurant and get something like delivered to a table or mm-hmm. even just like something like fast casual that's fresh. Like, you know, Amy's meals are good in terms of like frozen meals, but I'm not going to pay $7 for that. Even if I had a million dollars, I would, I wouldn't pay $7. It's not worth it. Like I would, could get better things eating out for $7. It doesn't make sense to spend $7 on a frozen meal. So I feel like they're 
there's just like a lot of weird stuff going on. Like I, I really focused on like meat and how the meat prices are. And I only really get grass fed and finished beef or whatever, like grass fed beef. And I went to Walmart, which I never shopped there, but we're shopping. Yikes. <laughs> oh, I know I never shop there, but I'm like, I'm looking at this because I'm like, I'm actually looking at this because I want to almost make like a food prices blog. So I looked at our co-op and saw how much grass-fed beef was. It was $7 for just like, you know, like ground beef, okay? Then I went to Walmart and the grass-fed beef was like $7.60. So it was actually more expensive at Walmart, which is the place that like everyone goes to because it's like the cheapest place. Right. And I was like shocked at that and they barely had anything and all of their meat was like wiped out and it was like super expensive at Walmart. So wow. then I was thinking to myself, like, this is so messed up because like at the right, like at the, the mid level grocery store, it's really expensive at the co-op. It's really expensive. And at Walmart, which is like the apparently cheapest, everything is uber pricey. And so, and I think they are because Bill Gates is the number one owner of farmland in the U S and like, he wants to grow all this corn. He wants to like make everything like probably like soybean, soybean oil for these like artificial meat products, like these fake burgers, these fake, you know, meats, everything that he's put there. I think they're going to push it more and more. Like you go to Starbucks, they, they give you a discount if you buy the impossible burger breakfast sandwich, cause they don't That's want you sketchy. to more. Yeah. And so like, I think they're trying to get people intentionally off of meat for the artificial meat not because they care about our health but because they want to make money and bill gates has all this power money and influence concentrated like concentrated power money and influence yeah no absolutely it's part of this really choreographed uh very intentional effort to weaponize everyone is very concerned about the 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 climate changes and the and the planet, the the greenhouse gases. Everyone's really concerned about that, and so these rich assholes like Bill Gates are trying to weaponize people being passionate about wanting to save the Earth. And it's like the philanthropic capitalism grift. It's like, oh, okay, sweet, we're gonna. Uh, how can we leverage this for maximum profit? And that's definitely the direction they're going with uh, the lab-grown meat. Um, the philanthropic capitalism. Less than a minute, so until it it signs us out. So oh, okay, can uh, I say? thing really quickly if you have time so, yeah <laughs> the president of mexico issued an executive order in 2020 to phase out glyphosate and gmo corn by 2024 <laughs> I'm the best they never heard. I'm your brother, just relate. I need diamond teeth, living like it's 1998. Like All right, everybody, welcome back to the Yak Fest. The one good thing about Zoom's little 40 minute uh, tyranny is that it lets me get up and move my, my old bones around a little bit. So that's good. Sylvie was saying that I need a Little Raven theme song or whatever. Little Raven. Little Raven. Little Raven. Little Raven. We'll, we'll, we'll improve on that, folks. That's just a, <laughs> that's the first draft. Just we're gonna, we'll need a Sylvie Salinger theme song, too, though. So we'll have to start thinking about that. 
Sylvie, Sylvie, Sylvie. <laughs> Maybe it should be less dirge-like. <laughs> All right, so we got this 40-minute time limit, so let's get right into it, folks. This segment, we're going to be talking about something a little ditty, a little ditty called the International Health Regulations. It sounds so nice, kind of like a no-fly zone. They always name it so innocuously. What's wrong with a no-fly zone? Well, it's World War III. What's wrong with the international health regulations? Well, they're actually talking about the WHO, which is an organization that, again, is it does do some good stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't. And it actually, the WHO actually said, don't use remdesivir. So they were right about remdesivir, but the U S is still giving remdesivir and now giving it to infants, which we're going to get into. So, but the WHO is largely captured. Uh, Bill Gates, the Gates foundation is the largest funder to the WHO. They obviously have an undue influence. Anytime power concentrates, you have demons that try to seize that power. So the WHO has been accruing power for itself. The COVID, uh, uh, pandemic or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, help to consolidate power around the WHO very effectively. And now they want to take it to the next step with the innocuously named international health regulations. What are, the, what are these, you ask? Well, so the WHO has accrued for itself the power to declare anything a pandemic, and they've been redefining things behind the scenes so that now a, pand a pandemic doesn't even have to involve any deaths at all. The WHO can just, if they point to like a few pockets of cases, and again, you can use the PCR test to find anything in anything. So it, it, it's not hyperbolic to say that they can literally like cook up a pandemic out of any old thing, point to like, oh, there's cases in Ghana, there's cases in South Korea, and there's cases in uh, Spain. Pandemic. And so they're, they're giving themselves the ability to declare a pandemic pretty much whenever they want to without any real stats to back it up. And then when they declare a pandemic, what they're trying to pass with these international health regulations is the power to literally, it's what Alex Jones has been talking about. The one go they're, they're about global governance. They're trying to make a global go governance. They want to bypass national sovereignty and be able to dictate to local jurisdictions, which in the US, even that would even include states, you know, like, so you think you're in Florida, you're safe. If this passes, the WHO can dictate to Florida, uh, nope, you need to, people are not allowed to go two kilometers away from their home. Uh, we're mandating this mRNA vaccine and we're not letting you get groceries until you get it. And then the, uh, you know, everyone freedom love in Florida, but I guarantee you that they would find some institution to enforce those rules. There would probably be a lot of local police that would refuse, I would imagine, but they would bring in the National Guard. If the National Guard refused, they'd bring in the fucking military. Like they would, or or even creepier would be the UN peacekeepers, actually the, the blue helmets or whatever. Um, we're gonna play this amazing video that Sylvie turned me on to with our, our one of our favorites, uh, Neil Oliver out of the UK. But Sylvie, did you wanna say anything to set this yeah. up before we Definitely. So I would say pay attention to the things that have been redefined in the past like five years. So we've got pandemic has been redefined, vaccine, and also anti-vaxxer, right? Because anti-vaxxer now encompasses someone who is against mandates. Mm -hmm. And also vaccine hesitancy, that kind of became a phenomenon that didn't exist before. That, that was um, developed mainly by the UN. And then the last one would be mis and disinformation as well. So mm -hmm. think about how those have either been kind of codified into our vernacular or 
uh, have been redefined recently. Um, and then mention how vaccine's been redefined as well. Yeah. Vaccine. Yeah. Vaccine has been redefined. And then I think it was Peter Doshi from university of Maryland, the, uh, he's a pharmacy professor, right. In the mm-hmm. pharmacy school. And he was the one, I think we played a clip on a previous pod episode about when he talked about the redefinition of vaccine, mm-hmm. but, um, the WHO, I just want to let you guys know that at the beginning of the pandemic or the coronavirus crisis, as I call it, at the beginning of the coronavirus health crisis, um, which I'm not denying that people died and have long COVID from it, but I will call it a crisis as opposed to a pandemic. Um, Trust Who was a was free to watch on Amazon Prime. So I watched it and it's a great documentary. I think you have to pay for it now. It's no longer free, but it's like trust WHO. So it is described on IMDb as is the WHO sick? The filmmaker and mother Lillian Frank reveals clandestine influences by the tobacco, pharmaceutical and nuclear industries on the organization. She shows a frightening portrayal of our present society in which governmental politics is becoming obsolete. Um, And this was made, this is at least released in 2016. So this is way before COVID. And um, I would definitely check it out because it's like, if you are like, oh yeah, the WHO was reputable before. No, 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 no. Watch this documentary and get back to me. Seriously. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, it, it blew my mind when I watched it. So that actually planted, that was actually good because it planted this seed in my, like for me to be more skeptical of things at the, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, even though I still got, was terrified like everyone else. Um, but that's a, that's definitely a good documentary. And then this, so the WHO, this global pandemic treaty would grant absolute power over global biosecurity, such as the power to implement digital identities, vaccine passports, mandatory vaccinations, travel restrictions, standardized medical care, and more. So this is like the whole thing that we've been talking about and that other independent journalists have been talking about, which is like, and Max Blumenthal, which is like this global ID and um, like a digital global ID that's linked to your vaccine information and your ability to travel and to even get money, right? And and like Trudeau obviously talk, like spoke to that directly when he froze the bank accounts for the truckers. Um, so this like this is could come to fruition. This is honestly the, this thing, this whole con, this whole thing, like is so surreal to me and honestly makes me anxious more than like I think any other like you could tell me any other thing going on in the world uh this 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 terrifies me the most yeah because like I think before 2020 like everyone kind of was like oh that's that's like way yeah I guess there's even people that were open to her like yeah maybe there's like some people that are trying you know rich oligarchs are trying to seize control from a global level but come on I mean that's ridiculous there's there's like 200 something odd countries nations have sovereignty but 
who could have seen the last two and a half years coming? You know what I mean? Who could have seen that we were locked down in our houses uh, with with no like justification for it? You know, even right now with, with what's happening like in, in Beijing, I mean, who could imagine yeah. these people in full hazmat suits that are like patrolling the streets? Like, so it it, it is a little bit like again you don't want to get stressed out for no reason but it's it is a little bit alarming like that that these things can actually come to fruition and i think the only real strength that we have to fight back is the people power uh speaking out against it and building communities so you can build like local resistance organizations and you know again if, if people don't comply so what i was going to say about the the digital id is really what it is is it's like a compliance tracker and yeah. then depending on how compliant you are, how how good or how naughty you are, then you get like certain privileges like, oh, well, you've been a you've been a good little citizen and you've gotten your last 18 mRNA jabs. So we'll let you get one non bug meat burger, you know, at the at the Amazon supermarket today. But naughty podcaster exactly. over there. Supermarket where they just scan your irises for you to check out. <laughs> yeah. But then the naughty podcaster that, you know, has been talking about all, all these things that, that we've been trying to sweep under the rug. Uh, no, no proper meat. The, the naughty podcaster Gruel has for to eat. you. Gruel <laughs> for you. Gruel and cockroach burgers, friends. So, uh, so do you want to go into the Neil Oliver clip? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention one thing. So like this is, and there's been precursors to this like throughout the past two years. So like we, we talked about, you know, domestic terrorism, and then you had like the domestic terrorism task force during 9-11, right? Now we have these health security agencies. So it's like biosecurity, biowarfare, health security. We used to talk about security in terms of, you know, infrastructure or in terms of, terrorism security right like everything that came out of 9 11 now the new thing the new phenomenon is health security so the uk never had a health security agency and in april of 2021 so april of last year basically a little over a year ago it was formed and it was founded then and it's uh child agencies are nhs which is the national health system test and trace and the other child agency is the Joint Biosecurity Center. And the jurisdiction is the UK. And it says the UK Health Security Agency is a government agency responsible since 2021 for UK-wide public health protection and infectious disease capability and replaces Public Health England. It is an executive agency of the Department of Health and Social Care, which it would be like our equivalent would be HHS, Health and Human Services. Anyway, I think this is completely frightening because like now we're codifying like these like agencies, like now we have this agency for health security. Right. And like this isn't like a made up thing. This is real. This happened a year ago. You can look it up on the Internet. You just have to like go to gov.uk and look up UK Health Security Agency. So this is like completely frightening. Like, yes, we had one, like if, if we go by like old knowledge, old knowledge would say, yeah, you have like a pandemic uh, once in every 100 years. So then why so quickly did we just come up with this health security agency and put so many resources into this if this is something that happens like once in every 100 years and we have like modern medicine to fix everything. That doesn't make any sense. So honestly, that's what's alarming to me that they're like putting all these resources into it, it almost seems like they want 
you know it's right. like i'll leave it up to you what you think about why this is happening or why these agencies are being funded and put into place but that honestly that's what terrifies me and i don't want to freak out the audience members but i mean if you're aware of it then you it it gives you better peace of mind because then you can not let the fear porn freak you out if something does happen in the future and i hope right. it doesn't you can now temper the fear propaganda and the fear corner, like turn it off. Be like, I'm not listening to the legacy media. Bye. Like, right, right. I mean, it's still going to have an impact on you. And like, they may, there may be still impacts where it's like a lockdown. And you just have no choice except to like, try not to comply. But I think if you had massive non-compliance, that would, if you'd be what would work, what, what would work. It's like when yep. everyone walked out of the school with Ruby bridges, like it, it's like every, like you need to like, have something like a non-compliance like rosa parks like you have to have a non-compliance for things to happen right mm -hmm. like like P everyone walks out of something like you need all the factory workers and they're like screw you we wanted a raise and we want health care and they all walk out of the factory and they and you don't have machines and so they can't like none of the products can be made and then then the the capitalist capitulates and says, okay, fine, I'll give you guys a $5 raise and you can have a basic healthcare package or something like that. It's like yeah. that we need non-compliance if these things come to fruition, which I hope they do, but just knowing about it ahead of time can like prep you psychologically. Cause I mean, we were all blindsided by uh, COVID and what happened to 2020, 2021, but now in the future, we don't have to be the other side of it too is like we have to hold people accountable who have been yeah. responsible for these failed health policies and the all the damage one in five small businesses closing all the mental health crises uh, all the, the cover-up of the adverse effects of the the jab the lack of informed consent the violation of the nuremberg code i i refuse and and luckily there's a lot of people that feel the same way as us we're not just going to let this slide because if you continue to allow bad actors to get away with shit, they're just going to continue to do what they've been doing and they're going to continue to up the ante. So that's really how I see this ending in a good way is to hold these people accountable and be like, actually investigate what the Gates Foundation has been doing in places like India, for example, you know, like the damage is very real and the data is there and it's just a matter of presenting the data in like a a way that is organized and you know we we need like nuremberg trial too i mean we really do that's that's our only chance of stopping this i have one other thing to tell you so this is like a positive thing when you're saying we need to hold these people accountable mm -hmm. so um this came out so i've been following this case for a bit so it was like a year or two ago there's this louisiana pastor named tony spell like s-p-e-l-l -L, like like uh, casting a spell, Tony spell. And he was like, you know, a Southern, I think like Baptist, maybe like preacher. And he was interviewed and seen as kind of like the enemy, like by CNN. Like I watched this whole CNN series on it. Like, mm -hmm. look at this pastor who doesn't care about health and he was endangering his community. And he was also, he's like a white pastor with a, with a, he actually like buses in people who don't have um, transportation. So his congregation is mainly a minority congregation that doesn't have resources. And he's like a white pastor. And so they were like making it like, look at this, like 
white pastor who's endangering this minority community. And like, and, but like, they were all saying, Hey, like, we're happy to get out. Like, we're happy to be able to worship together. And like, we like, like his, and I'm, I believe they were genuine, authentic. They were like interviewed and they were like, no, we want to worship. We want to sing our like, you know, hymns and sing our songs together. We want to be able to commune together. Okay. Mm So CNN totally, um, you know, slandered him. CNN was like, this guy's like the enemy. These are like, these are the fanatical evangelicals who are, you know, like tossing COVID precautions to the wind and look at how selfish they are and look how they're endangering these people. Okay. Hold on. Two, two years later or a year later, now he took the case to, cause he, they like tried to shut him down and then they gave him all these fines. He took the case to the Louisiana Supreme court and guess what? He fucking won. Okay. Nice. They nice. said the risk and the danger was not strong enough to over, to like over, uh, take away people's freedom of religion, freedom to worship. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that just happened recently. You just look it up, but yeah, the, like the Louisiana, the highest court Supreme court said no. And they dropped all the charges and all the fines against him. So like, these, that's awesome. I mean, and like, I, and I don't know how I think like how I feel about like rebel news Canada, but like, it's kind of like the Alex Jones of Canada, but they kept on following these pastors and these pastors who held services in Canada were literally jailed and they would, they like took these pastors and just like threw them in jail for like 30, 60 days, wow. just having like a service that's voluntary. And like, it was, it's, it's Canada, like was Canada is really strict. Actually. I just watched Joe Rogan interview God Saad about Quebec and Quebec coronavirus restrictions. And they still have a mask mandate that only um, expired last week. Wow. So you yeah. still had to wear and masks. Again, I know we've harped on this before, but it's like, you know, what is better for your immunity? What is better for your overall health? Being locked in your home, not being able to connect with other human beings and just stuck on Zoom all day or coming together with your your people of, of your faith to worship and commune and sing songs and hug and be be real with one another like that that, that is so much more beneficial to one's immune system and then and it's when also like voluntary like it's like yeah. if you're truly immunocompromised and i know people who have like you know multiple scler- sclerosis and like other um conditions and they are like still being very like cautious because like they are the people that are most at risk but like it's like voluntary so if there's a bunch of healthy people or people who have already had it and ever covered or who don't give a shit you know if the health systems aren't being overloaded which we talked about that a couple episodes ago ago that they are they are designed to operate at maximum capacity because of profit um then yeah. I don't have the problem with voluntarily wanting to come together. And like, that could, that's again, yeah. Like that's like a healing tonic in of itself, singing hymns together. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. We should listen um, to Neil Oliver's clip. All right, folks, we're just going to let Neil Oliver take it away. So this is, it is an eight minute clip. We're going to let it play in its entirety. We talked about it before the show and we just think that it's very, very important. Um, and it's interesting. And who doesn't love Neil Oliver's beautiful Scottish accent. So I love we're, <laughs> we're going to let this video play uh, the whole way and then we'll discuss it. So here we go, everybody. Um, do the little Raven theme song while I, while I attempt to screen share. 
Little Raven. Little Raven. Oh, I need to hit share sound. Okay, share. Full screen. And just nod your head if you can hear it, uh, Dr. Sylvie. Here we go, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Neil Oliver. Anyone remember voting for the World Health Organization to take control of our lives? No, me neither. And yet here we are, teetering on the brink of joining most of the countries of the world in surrendering our, surrendering our national sovereignty under the terms of a proposed new pandemic treaty. Once British ink is dry on the necessary paperwork, we and most of the rest of the billions living on planet Earth will, in the event of another pandemic, take our instructions, not from politicians we actually voted for and could hypothetically at least have the option of getting rid of, but from the unelected faceless bureaucrats of the WHO. This is no conspiracy theory, by the way, no tin hats required. This is real and happening now. And a whole lot of people would rather you weren't paying attention. The WHO is a fabulously wealthy offshoot of the United Nations. It has its head office in Geneva and is presently headed by Ethiopian-born Tedros Adamnon Ghebreyesus. Know much about him? No, nor me. He and it are funded by 194 member states and also by donations from private entities. As things stand, most of its money comes from the United States of America, from communist China and from computer salesman and international man of mystery Bill Gates. Let us remember that for the past two years, the WHO has loudly celebrated the approach taken by China to the handling of COVID-19. Even now, as tens or perhaps hundreds of millions of Chinese citizens remain locked in their homes in scores of cities across that country, and after unknown numbers have died in those circumstances, including some who committed suicide by leaping to their deaths from their tower block imprisonment, the WHO continues to applaud the tactics of the Chinese Communist Party that is its benefactor. For his own part, Bill Gates, who struggles even to control viruses in the software sold by Microsoft, <laughs> is on record admiring the draconian approach taken by Australia to the extent that he has said that, in his opinion, the world would have had greater success in eliminating the disease the one that more than likely leaked from a lab in China, if only more nations had followed the Australian model, locked everyone down and sought zero COVID. Now we in Great Britain, without so much as a buy your leave from our leaders, and along with around 95% of the world's population, must contemplate a future in which decisions about what we will be ordered, ordered to do in the face of another pandemic, will be taken by the unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats of the Chinese Communist Party worshipping WHO under the unseemly influence of a tech billionaire with no more qualifications in the fields of medicine and disease control than I have. It's worth remembering that President Donald Trump insisted on divorce from the WHO on the grounds that it was too close to China, only for President Biden to remarry them again in 2021. All of that is history, however. In a matter of days, the World Health Assembly will meet in Geneva for a vote on the treaty the target date for final ratification is in May 2024, but by then the power grab will have long been completed. Amendments written into the proposed treaty by the re-enamoured Biden administration will see 194 nations cede sovereignty over national health care decisions to the WHO. The WHO would thereby have decision-making <laughs> power over and above our Great own government and Joe. every other government. Consider this. 
When you watch footage of the 26 million people of Shanghai locked down in their homes, their cats and dogs beaten to death in the street, the WHO would, by the terms of the new treaty, have the power to impose the same on cities here. Know too that under the terms of the treaty, the WHO does not, does not have to show any data to legitimise its conclusions or decisions. It's also worth knowing, to say the least, that it would be up to the WHO to define what the next pandemic is, seeing how things are going. I would hardly be surprised to hear about a pandemic of obesity or of heart attacks, followed by the mm. lockdowns and other restrictions to deal with same. No doubt lockdowns to fix the climate can't be far away either. In the case of climate, the WHO might draw the conclusion that we, the human species, are the virus. Who knows what they might conclude and decide then. Be yeah. in no doubt, this so-called pandemic treaty is the single greatest global power grab that any of us has seen in our lifetime. It's nothing less than the groundwork, the laying of deep foundations for global governance through the WHO. Many of those opposed to the treaty, and there is an online petition here in the UK seeking to demand that the matter be discussed in Parliament, have pointed to the, shall we say, compromised position of the WHO itself. Much has been made of the notion that a fish rots from the head. Back in 2017, Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe was appointed as a goodwill ambassador of the WHO by Tedros and only dropped after shrieks of outrage from those who pointed out that Mugabe might have been a controversial choice of poster boy for an organisation notionally committed to the well-being of living people. Damn. A glance at the 34-member executive board of the WHO reveals seats occupied by such human rights luminaries as Syria and East Timor, among others. And remember all the time the links the WHO has with communist China, a state with more human rights abuses under its belt than any decent human being might want to contemplate. And that's before we get to the looming presence of the world's fourth, or is it second, richest man, the one and only Bill Gates and his foundation, whose commitment to mass vaccination is unsurpassed. As far as I'm concerned, the whole thing stinks like the aforementioned dead fish. The approach taken to COVID by the Chinese government and endorsed by the WHO was never about health, I say, and always about control. Just as there is more than one way to skin a cat, one beaten to death in a Shanghai street by a man in a hazmat suit armed with a stick, perhaps, so there is more than one way to seek to impose undemocratic authoritarian control upon a population. Just as a, for instance, a government desiring such control might try frightening the living daylights out of its people telling them that if they don't take their medicine, medicine that Big Pharma knows in advance might kill or maim some of them, that they won't be able to travel, leave the country, go to work or the pub or the cinema or to school. A government or indeed any unelected body seeking total control might tell its people that unless they do what they're told, they won't ever be getting back to anything even resembling their old normal lives. That's not how you protect people from a pandemic. That's how you exploit and manipulate the very notion of a pandemic in order to seize and retain control. And then, while they're either still terrified or just plain exhausted and demoralised by the whole damned experience, why not slip through all manner of new legislation shaped to mop up the dregs of whatever old-fashioned freedoms and rights remain behind? I am, even by my own estimate, the unlikeliest of rebels. All I know is that I have, for a period now, measurable in years, been opposed to those in power here, and also all but a handful of those vying to replace them. For the longest time I've cared not a jot what those jokers try and tell me to do. The evidence coming out now about lockdown harms, about vaccine harms, tells me I was right to follow my own path. In short, I've had enough of the lot of them. They don't speak for me, 
or in any way matter to me. If this pandemic treaty comes to pass, I will disregard it. I'll ignore any future lockdown ordained by any power. I'll take no mandated vaccine, not while I have breath in my body. Hell yeah. The WHO and all its little wizards can take a running jump. The men in suits can sign whatever treaties they want. I don't care. Not one of them, not Johnson, not Trudeau, not Macron and the rest, has the stomach for the wet work that would be required to put their authoritarian plans into action. <laughs> oh, shit. We owe it to ourselves. <laughs> Hell yeah, Perhaps we even owe it to them to tell them that they're living in a fantasy world of their own creation and that we want none of it. Let them have the gall to seek to sign away our freedoms in such a high-handed manner this month or in 2024. I, for one, am not playing along. As Patrick McGowan's character said in The Prisoner, I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Boom. God damn. Drops, drops the damn mic right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have eight minutes left until Zoom kicks us off for this segment. So let's just chat about that video. Um, man, I just find it so soothing to listen to his, his Scottish voice. And I just love how he's like, He's like, I'm the most unlikely of rebels, <laughs> but he's someone, he's an example of someone who has just been thinking for himself. He's been courageous about speaking, about making enemies with, or pissing people off, I guess I should say. And, um, you know, he's been a very like important figure through this whole thing because they have been giving him these, he's like incredibly popular, right? And they've been giving him this time to like speak un, uninterrupted on GBM, which is like a pretty big network in the UK. And um, just been like, this voice of kind of like, for me, he's been like a voice of kind of sanity, you know? And do I, I just want to say real quick, like, am I just swallowing whole everything Neil Oliver says? Of course not. Everything you have to take into consideration, you do your own analysis of it. You know, um, the, I know that some of my listeners might be triggered by the whole like Chinese Communist Party stuff. You know, I've said before, say it again, like I've, I've really made an effort throughout my, this podcast to be very like, neutral and fair and look at both sides of the situation not try to like blanket judge anything but it's very hard to look at these images which are not deep fakes they are real happening it's difficult to look at the zero covid policy and not raise some like very substantial questions like why are you even attempting to do this zero covid policy when the rest of the world already it's like it's here it seems to be here to stay um i don't know i think we should Chat Isn't it interesting bit. too that they didn't try to mass vaccinate their population? Uh, well, they they did have like a vaccination campaign, right, with the Sinopharm or whatever. Yeah, I just think they haven't like they don't have boosters. They don't. They're not vaccinating. They're not making everyone take the vaccine as much as the U.S. is. And That's I don't. I haven't heard anything about boosters. A listener can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't heard anything about boosters there as well. And I don't believe like in the North Korea is doing this crazy lockdown now too. And then they, I'm pretty sure have not done any vaccines either. Anyway, it's just very interesting how like, how convenient it is to ignore places like Africa also that didn't have a mass vaccination campaign, but it's not like people are dropping like flies over there. Yep. Um, Yeah, yeah, lowest, lowest rate of vaccination and lowest rate of COVID. And right. like, you know, as a general rule, folks who live in lower income countries have like more of a close relationship with the natural world. They spend more time outside and just those things alone, being healthy, exercising, getting vitamin D uh, are incredibly important to keeping your whole entire organism 
healthy in order to fight things off like you know like whatever comes oh, next ivermectin and um over the counter and then also like i would say like we are we have the highest I, we talked about this in another episode like u.s they're saying we have one of the highest death rates because of you know like non-compliance with covid restrictions but i disagree with that and a lot of other public health professionals are coming to disagree with that too um we have the highest obesity rate out of any developed country so that's what it has to do more with because like in africa's obesity rate is not as high as ours well and refusing to give early treatment to people and this telling them to go home. And then when they can't breathe anymore, go back to the hospital. And then when they're at the hospital, you inject them with remdesivir, which causes renal failure. So all these things have to be taken into account. Um, Really quick. I just want to, Oh yeah. Hospitals getting kickbacks. Like they get paid weight, like not kickbacks, but they're getting like, they're getting monetary compensation for counting someone, a patient as a COVID case. Yep. So they have financial, um, they're financially, if they have financial incentive to, even if it's nothing to do with COVID to test a patient for COVID, okay, they test a positive for COVID, but they have these other things, but because there are all these symptoms of COVID and they're so, you know, they, they're, they're so multitudinous that we can say, oh, this is a COVID death, but maybe it was really had to do with an underlying like heart condition or something like that. But Absolutely. what I want to say about Neil Oliver is that if you go on his Wikipedia, which we know Wikipedia is also a captured organization that takes in a ton of money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's funny because like Neil Oliver is like this national treasure for Scotland. He is like an archaeologist. He was the voice of a history of Scotland, Vikings and coast. And he's written all these like popular history books. And he was also the president of the National Trust for Scotland from 2017 to 2020. Then when you scroll down, someone tried to slander him because under his politics, then now there's like, it's like, oh, he, like, he's, he, uh, distributor he, of disinformation. Right. And like, and like he mocked people and stuff like that. So it's, it's really interesting because all of a sudden they try, they're trying to like slander him because of his response to like everything he said was copacetic up until COVID. And then, then his opinions on COVID are like, oops. So we have to put something in Wikipedia so that like he is, we think of him as less of a trustworthy figure, even though he's like very much respected in Scotland. So I just thought that that was yeah, that's really telling. Uh, we have two and a half minutes left for this segment of, of the Zoom time limit. So I just want to touch base on a theory that Sylvie and I have been kind of bouncing back and forth about. I wanted to invite the listeners to think about this, too. So if you look at I've been looking at the situation in China with these draconian. I, I can call them draconian because they are. You have people in hazmat suits wandering around policing. You're not allowed. People aren't allowed to leave their apartments uh, for a goal that seems to me a complete pipe dream. The zero COVID goal seems like a total pipe dream. So I've been think, trying to think outside the box. And Dr. Sylvie has too of like what might actually be happening here. And we've come to this idea. A uh, possible theory to explain would be that these lockdowns are actually they, they, they serve multiple purposes. And one of the fun, one primary function of them is as part of a uh, unspoken hybrid war by China against the West. And how is that, you ask? It's by further kneecapping and attacking and disrupting the co- supply chain. 
because the West is reeling with inflation right now. Um, the Europe is fucked because they can't get gas from Russia and you know prices are skyrocketing shelves are kind of like barely staying full but it's kind of sketchy and you know russia and china signed a straight up military pact <laughs> no one talks about this but they signed it and they're like yeah it, sure it's not gonna last forever but right now they're fucking like this they share resources they share information they share intelligence and they support each other's objectives and so could this actually be part of the hybrid war uh, from the Russia-China pact, the Eurasia pact or whatever, versus the West to continue to disrupt in the same way that the US does all the time, tries to cause problems for countries with sanctions and stuff like that, to disrupt the cohesion in the society, to foment discontent. And, you know, it's it's happening. The Americans do not respond well to shelves being empty. We're kind of spoiled little assholes. <laughs> And we we want we want what I want we want our treats we want them now and stuff and people are very prone to panic buying and stuff like that in the West as well so uh, just something to think about you know I don't know you have less than a minute you want to say anything just like gray zone economic warfare so this is like like COVID does have real impact physically but it's not something that you would shut down a whole society for and. Even Bill Gates admitted it affects the elderly population the most. Therefore, why would you lock down people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s? Therefore, why would you lock down and change all of work culture by having the lockdowns for the working, the people who are of working age? That makes no sense. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be our last segment for today for this week's Yak Fest. And so there's two items on the agenda we're going to try to get to. We have about 35 minutes, so we're going to jump right into it. So this I've been wanting to talk about this for ages. This is fucking insane to me. I cannot get over how fucking mental this is. So I'm going to um, there has been a bill that has so California's lost its mind. We all know that California's lost its collective mind. And that's why everyone half of California is moving to Phoenix, Arizona to drive up my rent. And they have just passed in the California State Senate, they just passed, it passed a bill to let 12 year olds, 12 year olds get a vaccine without parental consent. They're doing age of consent shit in California, guys, in 2022, something that is protected by in, in, there's just so much. I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with this. The informed consent, the manipulation of minors, the, the, the part of this bill, I'm going to read the article in a second, but part of this bill says that parents can be misled intentionally. Like they can, part of giving the 12 year olds consent to get a vaccine without the parents' approval is they can actually send false paperwork to the parents to, so that the parents don't realize that the child got vaccinated. I mean, this is some creepy shit. I, I don't, I'm sorry, but I do not find any way around the fact why are we doing age of consent shit in 2022 in California it fucking freaks me out so I'm going to go ahead and, and screen share this and read a little bit from this article and then we'll get Sylvie's um so look at this motherfucker I mean you trust your kids with that guy 
Good Lord. I wouldn't trust him with my sprouts. I'd be like, nah, dog, the sprouts are yours now. I don't want your fucking weird. And of course, his name is Wiener. Of course. Of course. Because we live in a simulation and it's fucking it's glitching out. Of course, it's another Senator Wiener because everything always works out great with Senator Wieners. They always that they always turn out to be awesome people. Look at this motherfucker. This guy is doing age of consent shit, guys, in 2022. Senator Scott Wiener is concerned about age of consent laws in California. I just can't. Okay, so I'm just going to read this. Article. Why are we focusing on this? Why is the, this a focus? Why, why is he exactly. so? Is exactly. He, is, he getting, is he in the pockets of some pharma companies? I think it's darker than that, but yeah. Okay, so SB 866 by Senators Scott Wiener and this other fucking scary piece of work named Richard Pan. Maybe we'll do a whole segment later on Richard Pan because that guy is problematic. Uh, so SB 866 by Senator Scott Wiener and Richard Pan, both Democrats, of course, California, to allow children ages 12 to 17. So we're talking minors and not just like minors, not like minors that can drive 12 year old kids. Guys, when I was 12 years old, I was literally rolling around outside in poop and like throwing worms at the, in jars and, and just like I wasn't you know what I mean? I know I'm like kind of a special kitten over here, but I don't think I'm alone in saying that when I was 12 years old, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like literally, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even gotten armpit hairs yet. I would like look every night in the mirror and be like, do I have them yet? Like I'm 12, I'm fucking 12 guys. Like I should not be making any decisions without parental consent, I'm sorry. California legislators formed a quote, vaccine working group earlier this year, claiming they wanted to facilitate coordinated action and bring thoughtful, comprehensive approach to save lives. SB 866 was one of several bills, and all these bills are really fucked up, by the way, but we only have time to look into this one right now. But dear God, I mean, if you just want to like take a real trip down crazy lane, just search like California vaccine bills. Uh, one of several bills introduced in the legislature designed to increase vaccinations by Californians aged 18 or younger. However, as the number of COVID-19 cases, of course, it's always cases in California, drastically plummeted throughout the first several months of 2022, vaccine legislation efforts quickly lost steam. Support dried up as more scrutiny on the bill's exposed mandates and the erosion of parental rights in many cases. But Senator Weiner, good old Senator Weiner, let's take a look at him again. This guy. This guy, guys, good old Senator Wiener would not let this go. He does not. He's very determined. He gets up every day and he's like, I'm going to do some age of consent legislation today. That's like what he gets excited about. Senator Wiener kept on with SB 866. As Karen England with the Capital Resource Institute explained to the Globe in March, quote, this legislative body is relentless in their pursuit, pursuit to strip away parental rights, as they also fast track SB 866, a bill that will give minors as young as 12 year old, years old the ability to consent to any FDA approved vaccination without parental consent. This bill not only strips parents of their right to make important decisions regarding their child's health, but it also places minors in a potentially dangerous situation. If a minor were to have an immediate adverse reaction to a vaccine, the parent would not know. Parents must be allowed to be the decision makers when it comes to the health of their children. I could not agree enough. Um, Senator Melissa Melendez gave a passionate floor speech Thursday during Senate debate, centered on the government encroachment into parental rights. And then she spelled it out on Twitter. Senator Melissa Melendez. 
For those who don't understand the opposition to lowering the age for kids to get a vaccine without parental knowledge or consent, I will explain. I guess it's a larger tweet, so we won't get into that right now, but you guys can take a look at it. This is uh, californiaglobe.com. You can Google californiaglobe.com, 12-year-old vaccine bill. Um, Melendez, a mother of five, spoke about parental concerns over side effects. Quote, more importantly, any vaccine can have side effects. And even the U.S. Supreme Court admits that vaccines are inherently dangerous. They admit this. So this isn't some crazy tinfoil hat thing. They're fucking, it's a cost benefit analysis. When there's risk, there has to be choice. If you choose to get it, fine. But there has to be informed consent and there has to be a, a logical cost benefit analysis. When you're 12 years old, you're just not going to be making these complex cost benefit analysis. You're not even necessarily aware of like what's going on with your underlying, you know, some people and aren't both, supposed to get that. Adults didn't even get informed consent for the COVID vaccine. I would argue that hardly anybody did. I mean, hardly right. anybody did because they do not even allowed in those inserts that they give you at the pharmacy, which you have to like ask for them when it comes to the vaccine. They still don't even give you the ingredient list because they passed a bill in 1973 that said that vaccines are no longer vaccine manufacturers don't even have to tell us what's in the goddamn vaccines. So how can you make informed consent when you don't even know the full ingredient list? It's, it's insane. Um, continuing here with uh, this is Mel Melissa, Melissa Mel uh, Melendez, Senator Melissa Melendez. Do we believe all 12-year-olds will know what they're allergic to and communicate that to the person administering the vaccine? Do we believe they will be aware of any past reactions to vaccinations received as a toddler? We do need to be honest about all kinds of parents who are out there, and some really do need legislative circumvention. Oh, this is fucking, now, now this is Senator Sidney Kamlager. So this is a totally different person now saying, we do need to be honest about all kinds of parents who are out there. And some really do need legislative circumvention. That's what they're calling it. That's what they're calling about taking your kids away and making decisions for your kids. Legislative circumvention. Young people need to know when they're in trouble. They know when they are with a parent or guardian that is not loving them. This is such bullshit. Is this Anyways. Like, this is like government DCFS. It's like the government is playing DCFS. Absolutely it is. Like um, by their logic. They're saying it's okay for us to like step, you know what I'm saying? Like there yeah. are many hoops you have to go through with DCFS to get a child removed from a home, but they're like basically doing a DCFS move, but just mm -hmm. with a piece of legislation through the schools. Absolutely. And, and when DCFS comes and removes the kid, you know, but this is actually even sicker yeah. because the, the parent doesn't know. It's there's there's a caveat in the bill that says that parents can be in t intentionally misled. This article doesn't talk about it, but it's in there that parents can be intentionally misled to protect their 12 year olds decision to do something without their consent. Oh the okay. bill passed the Senate 21 to 7 and then SB 871 by Senator Richard Pan, who's a fucking nightmare, forced vaccinations for school enrollment would have required all school age children up to up to age 17 to get the COVID-19 vaccine to attend school and child care. Um, he, he did withdraw the bill due to its unpopularity and possible legal conflict. So it does show that the people do have power and they, these, these politicians do have self-preservation at the end of the day. So if they really think that they're in danger of getting into some kind of legal trouble, or if the pitchforks are at the gate, trust me, they're going to get in line real quick. Cause these are not brave people. Look at this, look at this motherfucker. Hold on. Fucking look at this guy. You think this guy is ready to like stand up to a bunch of people with pitchforks? Like he, he's. He's not. Uh, let's leave it at that. So, I mean, this this kind of talk, this kind of speaks for itself. But I just I, I'm dumbfounded that this passed the Senate. Um, I guess it still has to pass. Assemblyman Kylie Vow's bill won't pass assembly, so I guess it hasn't. 
like been codified yet, but the fact that they would approve this 21 to seven is beyond insane. I just don't even understand what the possible, it, it shows the mass formation psychosis, right? That anything that, that for some reason, these uh, gene editing interventions that are uh, mRNA technology, novel technology, for some reason, they're so important that nothing else matters when, when it comes to this, that everyone just needs to get these things fucking shot up in their arms, no matter what, even if it means defying and misleading their own parents. Yeah, it's so twisted. This is so diabolical. It really is. Um, I can't gonna... get over it. It's like, there have always been messed up things and, but like, usually there's choice. And like, this is what 2020, like the lockdowns of small businesses, there wasn't a choice. It was like, you're gonna be fined or shut down by the government. Like going to worship in person, there wasn't a choice. Going to work out at a gym, there wasn't a choice. Right. Like maybe even like losing your job, there wasn't a choice. Um, what else? Like taking, like they had like uh, caution tape on playgrounds outside for kids, like taking, that wasn't a choice to go to a public playground. The public libraries near me were closed down. You couldn't even go and pick up a book. You had to drive up and someone in a mask came out to hand you a bag for your book that you requested. crazy. And like, <sighs> I was just looking at the news like on our break and like there's a, there are some high schools that are starting to require masks again. Wow. Like yeah, in California like, specifically or? No, in different states. This in one different was states. Um, in like this one was in a different state, but like this is and colleges are doing it again, too. So I've heard about certain colleges that are because of this new variant. It's like if they did that for the flu or any other disease, like we would be wearing masks uh, for the rest of our lives. We should we might as well tattoo them on our faces because I don't or like, you know, get them like yeah. So don't well, onto our faces, really. I love Neil Oliver's point too about like, what do you call a pandemic? Should uh, driving, should drunk driving be a pandemic that we lose all of our national sovereignty over? Because way more people die because of fucking drunk driving than you know anything. It's just it, it, it words fail yeah. at some point after a while. It's yeah. Like, this this so this particular to circle back. Lol. To circle back <laughs> to the uh, California bill. It's no wonder that homeschooling's on the rise. So you have you are you're taking the choice out of the parents' hands, and then also um, there was the crackdown on all the school board meetings for parents who rightfully, justifiably, didn't want their kids to wear masks in the classroom because it did nothing. If anything, it made it it, did, it had the harms were this big, and the benefits, if any, which I think there were none, were like this big. So like. It, like this whole thing is like kids are not at risk kids had natural immunity like i think it's like almost all kids or the majority of kids have natural immunity now masks on children get dirty and probably create more bugs and Absolutely. viruses than they do yep. than they save them from so it's and then they're not even wearing them properly if you were to wear them properly and then the other thing about it is just the psychological implications because you're the most psychologically vulnerable when you're in your formative years. Yep. And then the speech language pathologists have pointed out that they're behind in speech language skills. And then social, it just messed up social interactions. And then it also like normalized them. So like if this, if these like 
mandatory non-pharmaceutical interventions, that's what they call them, NPIs, are you know mandated again in the future well they were they were or they've already been used to wearing them and they've become normalized for all these like two years of schooling so then they they'll easily go back to them without right they'll they won't be the resistors they won't be the non-compliers because they were forced to comply in their children they have no power so you have parents coming in and i think with good reason fought against these mass mandates and they were tracked by um, the government, right? And the government was shutting down these school board meetings and they were getting on a list, these these parents. And there were police showing up to like take them away. So, I mean, yeah, there's no wonder there's an increase in homeschooling because the, the parents think they have no they have no power at the school board and then these choices are being taken away from them and then they could be deliberately misled. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's honestly like all those things are terrifying at like the school level. It's just like, that was fantastic. You you really broke it down right there really well. I mean, um, it's it's just astounding. I just want to make a, a funny comment really quick that I, yeah. I sometimes I feel self-conscious that I'm constantly like taking sips of different drinks as someone who is a you're always an alcoholic. I've been sober from alcohol now for almost nine years, but once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. So I still consider myself an alcoholic. But as an alcoholic trying to stay sober, it's you always want to have like yummy drinks around you at all times. So when I sit down to record with Sylvia, I always have like three or four different like drinks that I like. It's just like my way of basically coping and staying sober. I just wanted to throw that out there because I I can see that. I I had like, (laughs) you know, what is it called? It's like it's called a pina colada smoothie. It's got no alcohol Ooh, in it. Ooh, yum! That sounds like good. Pineapple, and then <laughs> this like the boobly sparkling water. Yeah, hell yeah. Do you have yerba mate? Uh, do I have yerba mate? Are you drinking that? What was um, one of the carbonated drinks or the? I was I was drinking. I have like a. I've got strawberry lemonade. I have my caffeine drink, which is like Celsius powder, and then I have a spirulina tea that I had. What was um, the one that was in the like can? Uh, this one? Mm-hmm. This one? Mm-mm. It was oh, in this like one. Can. This one? Yeah. Oh, this is my caffeine. This is where I have my little okay. Celsius. Yeah, my, this is for my caffeine powder. <laughs> All right, so anyways, um, I think we can move on to the next agenda item now since we're kind of on a time crunch. So as we were saying that, you know, the mainstream media is they they direct everyone's mind to different things it's like first you know everyone everyone look at covid now everyone look at ukraine now everyone look at roe v mate and roe v wade and it really does have an impact on people and people are just get hyper focused but then it's like what's happening in the background always very important to ask that question well one thing that's happening in the background right now is that Pfizer continues to be court ordered to release documents about their trials. Remember, they did not want to release these. They were trying to keep them secret from you, from us, from the taxpayers, from the people that fund the research. We're not allowed to see this, even though we're supposed to have informed consent. We're supposed to have transparency. Pfizer, they were saying, no, hell no, we're not releasing these documents. It had to be ordered by a court after like a lengthy ass legal battle. And even then, now they're like trickling out the the documents, you know, over time. So it's like they're, they're, this was very intentional to try to basically distract people so that they come out a little bit at a time, a little bit here. Mainstream media ignores it altogether. And so the hope is that like people just won't pay attention. But these dumps are damning as fuck. It's really bad, everyone. Like we talked about already how it showed like all the, the 1,200 deaths or whatever out of 42,000 participants. 
but it gets even worse than that uh, in terms of like disruptions to especially like women's menstrual cycles. There's evidence of disruption of breast milk. Uh, we're going to talk in a future episode about fucking creepy ass Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. And they're wanting to do artificial milk, milk with a Q, oh, which yeah. is made out of epithelial mammary cells of the Ugh. human body. It's like, I don't even want to say that ever again. It freaks me Ugh. out. Milk with a fucking Q. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> But anyways, so uh, the, the the Pfizer dump is really bad, and so I wanted to play um, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Uh, is she is a feminist? She's an author, and she has been doing a really good job of actually following up. And she has a whole team of volunteers with her that have been um, looking, actually doing the work of looking through these documents. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just wanted to play. Um, if you want to speak on this for a little bit, just while I bring it up, um, it'll take me a second. Um, have you been following the document drop at all, Sylvie? Yeah, so if anyone wants to check this out, um, the attorney behind the, because uh, they, they sued the FDA to release these, right? Uh, they So the lawyer behind the release of these documents, the Pfizer documents, his name is Aaron Siri, and it's A-A-R-O-N, and then Siri is like, the Siri we know of through Apple, which is S-I-R-I. And his he covers this all in his substack. So it's Aaron Siri one word dot substack.com. And his blog is called Injecting Freedom. And it's great. He goes into all of it. So if you this is, I mean it's it's excellent. So if you want to go down the rabbit hole of it, just go to Aaron Siri.substack.com. Awesome. Thank you, Sylvie. I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf here talk about um, these these data dumps and then we'll we'll discuss. So I'm going to go ahead and and just give me a minute and a half and I'll explain the relationship to breast milk and why nursing women should be very careful um, until more is known The 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 injection material doesn't stay in the injection site, even though we were told up and down that it did. It travels, say the Pfizer documents in black and white within 48 hours through the bloodstream. And then the spike protein, the lipid nanoparticles, which are hard fatty casings, tiny hard fatty casings, and the mRNA uh, lodge in the liver, the spleen, the adrenals, the lymph nodes, meaning your lymphatic system, and the ovaries. So the ovaries, bookmark that because of so many women having like a full day on average of extra bleeding, postmenopausal bleeding, disruptions of all kinds with menses. But if you go to think about the lymph and the blood, right? Breast milk is essentially made, you know, from the female body and, and made from white blood cells uh, in addition to, to, to other, you know, other aspects of, you know, it's related to the female bloodstream. So, one of the Pfizer documents shows that the injection harms leukocytes, which are white blood cells, and white blood cells protect your immune response. And part of what babies get from breast milk is, is it, it boosts their, it sets their immune response, essentially. So that's being damaged. And then just this morning, um, and, and then for the, the Pfizer documents also show that the, these uh, materials, the spike protein is released in your urine. Another time I was deplatformed, I was 
finding a, a white paper from the FDA that raised this possibility. And I, I worried about, well, what's this going to do to our waterways and to our agricultural system? This is an unknown substance, a spike protein going into our water, going into our food supply. I got deplatformed. But sure enough, the Pfizer documents confirm it's released in urine. Um, and then just today, uh, so basically what I'm saying is there is no way that I can understand the breast milk would not be affected potentially. And then Dr. Wodarg, um, who is the medical advisor to the uh, Reinhard full mix investigation in Germany, which is bringing uh, kind of legal proceedings for crimes against humanity. When I brought up the issue of uh, lactation problems or possible lactation problems, he said that there is a mechanism um, that is a affected uh in which the the mrna vaccine does affect breast milk and i guess as a feminist i'll just conclude by saying it's shocking to me that no one has no one has looked at the breast milk of vaccinated women to see if it is different from the breast milk of unvaccinated women um so we're you know immediately ask for a volunteer to send a sample of breast milk so that we can get it to a lab and analyze it. The point is that it's an unknown, right? And it's and it's a risky unknown given the fetal death, given the breast milk discoloration, and given the fact that um, the white blood cells that go into breast milk are damaged by the mRNA proteins and the spike protein also does have a mechanism to affect breast milk. Um, so that's a long way around saying it needs a lot more study but that if I was the mother of a nursing mom, I would say, honey, let's find out a lot more about this, um, you know, before we know that it's safe. The other thing you asked about is what should moms do? Well, obviously I'm not gonna tell people what to do and I'm not a medical doctor, but I think the female body is a miraculous thing. And one of the blessings we have as human beings is that mothers get to feed their babies for the most part with their own bodies, perfect food. So I would say this is another example of an unnecessary injection, often given under duress, um, unnecessary for most healthy women, of certainly of childbearing age, uh, in terms of risk benefit analysis. And to me, the logical thing to do is to leave your breast milk alone and leave your body alone and take other good health precautions to protect yourself from respiratory infection. Um, but that's a very personal decision. Now on to formula. A lot of mothers can't breastfeed. They don't have enough milk, whatever it is, they turn to formula. And indeed, there are many news stories right now which are kind of shocking, but if you read my book, they're not that shocking because it's my analysis that we're under attack. It's your analysis too, it sounds like. Um, and one of the ways you attack a population is by disrupting their food supply lines. That's a standard method of work. And that's happening to us. And I predicted that it would about 13 months ago. So the breast milk is going to the border. Mothers can't get breast milk. And then the last thing is, as soon as I saw these two vectors, having looked at the activities of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation now for two years while writing my book, I just typed in Bill Gates and breast milk. Sure enough, uh, he's invested, as is Jeff Bezos, as is um, Zuckerberg and actually Richard Branson too, in this startup called BioMilk with a Q um, that will, <laughs> that will, uh, it's super creepy. It uses uh, human cells to lab generate breast milk. Um, and so 
<laughs> I'll just wrap up by saying I really am disturbed by this because their methodology has been consistent to kill off the human advantage. You know, if mothers can be self-sustaining and feeding their kids, kill that off, oh. ruin it. If you know, if you can squeeze a population, uh, force them to do what you want them to do, scare them, you know, they will do that. They've shown that they would over the last two years. And mothers will do anything to feed their babies. So the fact that these tech bros are into substitute breast milk and there may be problems with breast milk due to this forced vaccination, um, to me, bears a lot more investigation. To give a final practical answer, there are a lot of... Um, recipes on social media for how to how to replace formula and breast. And then she goes on from there to give ideas about how folks can think outside the box for um, replacing formula without using Bill Gates's bio milk with Q. But oh, wait, so I- wait, oh, there's no chickens anymore. There are no chickens anymore <laughs> because they were all killed because of the bird flu. Oh, wait, we don't want to have any uh, any more meat because it's it's bad for you. Oh, wait. Um, Sorry, uh, there's no formula anymore. Uh, oh, you shouldn't actually breastfeed because of the spike protein. Okay, here we have solutions now. We have artificially um, made meat, artificially produced meat. And um, oh, look, we have artificially produced um, breast milk as well. These problems are solved, guys. Done, done deal. Uh, it's not a Hegelian dialectic or anything like that, where we create the problem and then have the solution waiting and then we leverage it to maximize our profit with the demonic philanthropic capitalism. We're looking out for your best interest. We, uh, we at the Gates Foundation, we really care about the planet. That's why we've done everything we've yeah. done in our life to. You the <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I just, I really liked what I chose that clip specifically because I like how she broke it down with the very real concerns that women have and and mothers have about the spike protein uh, impacting the breast milk, but how she says that it appears that there's an effort to kill off the human advantage. I just thought that was a very incisive way of putting it. And, you know, again, who could have seen this coming in 2019? I, I, if you would would have told me that they would have created a gene editing therapy, changed the definition of vaccine, and then tried to mandate it on the whole population without informed consent, I would have been like, get out of here. That's crazy. That could never happen. But lo and behold, um, it did. And so I think, you know, people like, I used to, I used to, so I'm like an ex Bernie person, as I think a lot of people are who probably listen to this show. I, I believed in Bernie and stuff like that. And I, I was always a little skeptical, obviously, but I was like, you know, I was a Bernie person. I saw what happened to Bernie. I saw the Democratic Party do a systematic takedown of Bernie. I saw the intelligence agency kneecap him with the allegations that Russians were supporting him. Uh, then I saw him fold like really early on and then immediately tell us all to vote for Joe Biden, who's a war criminal and a fucking psychopath. And so that that woke me up and it woke a lot of people up. And so I I... I used to listen to more like very like kind of team sport, I guess you'd call it like far left media and podcasts. And they would always like make fun of Naomi Wolf and be like, oh, Dr. Wolf, crazy Dr. Wolf. But it's like, hold up. Like, you know, after actually listening to what she has to say, it's like, how can you just make fun of this woman? Have you taken into account any of her research that she's done, her books, Um, you know, people point to the fact that she goes on the Steve Bannon show and then say that like, oh, she's she's alt-right and then just ignore her. And it's like, we really have to, this is the time, the time is now to transcend these team sports limitations that we put on everything and to be like, 
because someone goes on Steve, I don't like Steve Bannon. I don't like Steve Bannon. I'll come out and say it. I don't fucking trust him. I don't. Th- I, I don't think he's a he's a good actor. I think that he uh, he launders money. I think he screws his supporters out of money and shit like that. But just because he has a big platform, and so Naomi Wolf goes on his platform to talk about her research because she's one of the few people that's actually doing the work to deconstruct these. Um, what? You just froze and then came back for a second. Wow, you froze too. Oh, I did? Interesting. I don't know if it was... We'll see what happens on the recording. But anyway, I was just saying, like, look at what the person is saying. Don't judge them based on what shows they go on. You know, people are trying to reach people right now. This is... It's urgent. I don't know how else to say it. It is urgent. Like, we, we cannot allow these people who have been getting away with literal murder just we won't have time to get into it today but like they just approved remdesivir for infants that is evil uh dr judy mikovitz talks about it I, maybe i'll include it in a different segment or whatever but there there's th- these this demographic infants to five years old they're not at risk from COVID. they have their immune systems are little powerhouses and they're developing their immune systems to put remdesivir in which is a dangerous drug which causes uh, renal failure into infants injected into them for COVID, for something that they're not, this is criminal behavior. And remdesivir, the reason why it's being pushed so hard is because it's a Gilead science product. People are making a lot of money off of it. It is uh, patented. So they don't want anything off patent because they can't make money with the off patent stuff. So slander a safe drug like ivermectin, start injecting remdesivir into infants. This is evil criminal shit. And if we don't hold the people accountable, if we just put our heads down, put our heads to the grindstone, just be like, oh, life is hard, but whatever and whatever, it's like, I just, I can't do that. I can't allow myself to do that. I can't allow myself to sleepwalk into what I foresee as this biomedical tyranny, which is really like gaining steam. You know, a lot of other things are gaining steam too. I'm actually quite concerned about thermonuclear war right now because we keep poking the other country with actually with more nuclear warheads than we do. Although I don't know if that's true or not, but they have a fucking lot of nuclear warheads and they have technology that we're not aware of in terms of delivery systems and stuff like that. And these psychopaths don't give a fuck about us and they keep poking the bear, poking the bear. And it's just like, you know, we have to stand up as a people and just say like enough is enough. There is more than enough on the public record. Let's just take Tony Fauci, for example. He's lied to Congress twice on camera. And it's you can prove that with the with documents, with the data. So way more than twice. (laughs) Yeah, right. Way more than twice. Exactly. But there's more than enough to put this guy away. I'm not someone who like loves the carceral state. I'm not saying like I'm not fetishizing the carceral state. I mean, the French Revolution had a different solution. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, but this guy cannot be allowed to continue in this position where he, op- he controls billions and billions of dollars. He dictates what universities get what funding. He is the reason, in my opinion, and the NIH is the reason why the universities are so backwards about this. You know, the universities are like the tip of the spear in terms of these insane COVID policies. And it's because they're tor- terrified of losing their funding. Yeah. So it's like, science versus scientism science versus scientism when in history did science have it all figured out never it's always evolving there's never a point where you can look back and be like oh yeah the leeches to when people got really sick you you drain their blood with leeches like aren't you glad that someone fought back against that dogma because that was the accepted dogma of the time that you just throw a bunch of leeches on someone if they're really sick like also it's like the carl sagan thing where the little blue dot we're a little blue dot in the universe how much do we really know it's total hubris it's hubristic to think we have this figured out no absolutely um we have five minutes left can i play the little video i had about how viruses are responsible for the evolution of the placenta sure okay cool i wanted to end on a little bit of a more like 
kind of at least lighter note. And I've been fascinated with as my own, I'm one of those people that does my own research. Oh no, I'm a dangerous person that does my own research, but I'm fascinated. I'm intellectually curious. I'm very interested in the fact that the human DNA is 8% viral, like uh, remnants of past viral infections uh, on the evolutionary timeline makes up 8% of our DNA. And we have 2.2 kilograms in our bodies, in our living bodies of germs, viruses and bacteria, beneficial ones that operate in symbiosis with our body. Some of them are not beneficial. That's why we have our immune systems, which are constantly like patrolling our blood, thinking, is this me? Is this not me? Is this me? Is this not me? If it's a symbiotic virus, it's me. If it's a pathogenic virus, it's not me. If I have a healthy immune system, my macrophages gobble that up, my natural killer T cells or my natural killer cells go and inject it with magical poison. Uh, our immune systems are fucking incredible. Viruses are not necessarily evil is what I'm saying. And I wanted to share this video. Uh, I found this fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Hold on. Let me just bring it up real quick. And uh, it's I just recently learned that the um, a virus is actually responsible for the evolution of the placenta um, as like the, you know, that that thing that makes mammalian evolution possible. Uh, so I just wanted to, this is a four minute video. We have about four minutes left. I'm just going to let it play out and then we'll give our final thoughts. Screen share, share sound. Bum, ba, bum. Ba, 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 ba. All right, here we go, everybody. The viral origins of the placenta. This is the placenta, and without it, you would never have been born. This amazing organ is a lifeline connecting mother and baby, as well as a defensive barrier between them. The placenta provides the baby with oxygen and nutrients, carries away waste, filters out harmful microbes, and pumps out hormones, all while keeping maternal and fetal blood supplies completely I bet you guys didn't realize you were going to get a little biology lesson this episode of the Yak Fest, but the placenta is so interesting and you can also eat the placentas. A lot of societies throughout history have eaten the placenta because it's so packed with nutrients and stuff like that. It's, it's on their bucket list. I want to eat myself a placenta before I die. <laughs> completely separate. But we might never have evolved a placenta like this if it wasn't thanks to an infection with a virus. Viruses are excellent at making more copies of themselves. Some viruses do this by inserting their own genes into the host's DNA. This tricks the infected host into doing the virus's dirty work, producing viral proteins to build more viruses, to infect more cells. Very rarely, one of these viruses will infect a sperm or an egg cell. Oh, and as the new organism grows, these viral genes are also copied into every single one of its cells, ready to be passed down to future generations. In other words, changing the whole genome of the host forever. In fact, if we looked into your entire genome, around 8% of it originally came from viruses. So you could say that we're all part virus. Most of these viral genes no longer work. They're like dead viral fossils in our DNA. However, some of them have been resurrected, including one gene that's fundamental in the formation of the placenta. The human placenta is a blend of maternal and fetal tissue, and the way it forms is incredibly invasive. After the embryo implants into the womb, finger-like projections burrow into the maternal tissue and alter its blood vessels so that they become bathed in a constant supply of the mother's blood. 
This interface, which has a surface area of 12 square metres, is what allows mother and fetus to exchange nutrients and waste. And yet, such close contact means that the mother's immune system could attack the developing embryo, which it sees as a foreign invader. And in a way, it kind of is. As a first line of defense, the fetal cells along this boundary fuse together using a protein called syncytin. This removes any gaps where maternal white blood cells could squeeze through and launch an immune attack. It's a clever strategy, but we didn't come up with it entirely on our own. That's because syncytin was originally a viral protein. Hell yeah. So I'm going to stop it there because we only have a minute left and I just want us to have a chance to say our goodbyes. But yeah, the placenta is made possible because of a viral protein called syncytin. It shows that like, you know, not everything is like pure evil necessarily. It's like how, how the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. It's like, you know, viruses can, can cause damage, of course but we wouldn't have evolved as mammals without them. So, all right, friends, you have made it to the end of the show. I appreciate you guys so much for spending some time with me. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Shout out to Dr. Sylvie, as always, for helping me. Uh, really love having a co-host. If you have not checked out the um, Barbarian Yak Fest, which is the video segment that I do with Dr. Sylvie on a bi-weekly basis, please go check it out. The best place to go check it out is on Rockfin. The Rockfin channel is going nuts. Um, it's really exciting. So uh, definitely, it's a great platform. Um, they're committed to not censoring people, which is good. And they let us, you know, talk about the forbidden topic. So hop over to rockfin.com. It's R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash barbarian yak fest, all one word. Yak is Y-A-K. I'll have the link in the description and you can sign up for a free account and follow on there. Um, I was posting to Rumble, but I've been posting less to Rumble because I wasn't really getting a lot of engagement on Rumble compared to Rockfin. So definitely rockfin.com slash barbarian yak fest is the place to check that out. If you have not done so already, please uh, subscribe, rate, review to the Barbarian Noetics podcast. I can really use your support, so please hop over to Patreon and uh, help me stay on the air and help me to afford groceries. Uh, Patreon.com slash Noetics. I love you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know this has been kind of a long one, so I'm not going to do an outro reading today. Just wanted to hop on. Thank you guys again. Wish you a fantastic, wonderful month, uh, week <laughs> and month, but especially week because I'll be back next week as always. I hope you have a fantastic few days full of epiphanies, full of authenticity, full of being real, full of resisting the status quo and resisting transhumanism and don't uh, fall prey to the fear porn that they got pouring out. Just ignore it. It's nonsense. Um, you know, and Dr. Sylvie and I will keep you updated on the Yak Fest and I'll keep you updated here on the Barbarian Noetics podcast. And until next week, everyone, much love and I appreciate you. All right, peace.
Be the one you're next to when the sun comes up. 